The following program is a proud member of the Palaver family of podcasts. Check out all the shows over at palaver.com. That's P-A-L-A-V-R.com. You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since 1977. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. I am your host, The Samurai. Across the border from me is my good pal, Big Willie. And on the West Coast, even though he wasn't mentioned in the intro, which we just talked about off the air, is our good, good friend, Rupert Pupkin, or, you know, Brian, or whatever name we'll end up calling him during the show. So (laughs) all these online handles totally get thrown away after a while, but that's okay. They're still fun to mention every now and then. But true. we are back, and uh, we have some interesting stuff to talk about. We got uh, two films. Uh, Rupert picked uh, My Bodyguard from 1980, right? That's correct. Oh, yeah. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I picked uh, Body Rock from 1984, I believe, which... Yep. Yeah, there we go. So that is what we're going to be talking about today. It's a little Lorenzo Lamas and a little uh, Chris, Chris Makepeace. So that'll be fun. <laughs> All right. Um that is that. Oh, let me mention one other thing. I didn't call in any feedback to those guys, but I do want to say happy third anniversary to uh, Bill and Chris over at Outside the Cinema. Uh, good friends of the show and everything, and I didn't get a chance to get any feedback into them, but I do want to say happy third anniversary. I can't believe it's already been three years. I can still remember listening to those guys from the basically from the beginning, and it's I can't believe three years went by, and then I sit and think about our own show, and I can't believe we've been doing it as long as we have. It's just amazing to me every now and then I think about it. Oh, totally. And I also meant to call, and I remember seeing that on Facebook. Bill had said, oh, about three years, and I thought, fuck, i got to call these guys tonight. And I got caught up listening to the Packers game, and I just, you know, swamped at work. And, and yeah, I also want to extend a very happy three-year anniversary to them, uh, you know, one of the guiding lights uh, in our universe. Absolutely. Same here. Indeed. All right, so uh, let's see what everybody's been up to. I guess we'll defer to the <laughs> guest first, see what Rip's been up to and what he's been watching. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I, um, I've been on a Pauly Shore run, Ooh. um, which is, which <laughs> Wait a really came to a screeching halt last night. I bet it um, did, buddy. Well, we, we got to Biodome and, um, I, you know, it was one of those things where I just was, it, there was kind of a fun, you know, we watched Son-in-Law and that wasn't quite as bad as I remembered. And, uh, you know, jury duty was pretty terrible, but Biodome is, you know, it has that reputation and my God, it's a terrible film. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't believe, and I, I was ba- so baffled. I went to work and I talked to one of the, my fo- first coworkers I ran into about Pauly Shore, and like, how could we ever, as a culture, have been fascinated by this guy? I just don't get it. Uh, yeah, I, I drank the Kool Aid. I'll admit, man, I drank. No, the I Kool-Aid. did too. Honestly, I did too. But looking back, I mean, there's just they're so unappealing. My wife turned to me and she's like, "What did I do?" She was literally like, "Why, why are you torturing me with this?" And so we had to turn it off. Anyway, so that's one uh, that injury uh, duty. Yeah, I'll have to um, say, I'll have to say, I I, I have seen a few uh, Polly Shore films, and 
Uh, even though I do not like Pauly Shore, uh, I can remember also as well that Son-in-Law wasn't absolutely awful. Uh, of course, it had Carla Gugino in it. That makes a big difference for me. But uh, yeah. And Tiffany Amber Thiessen, I believe, was in that too, who I quite did. Yeah, there's a couple of good other good character actors in the film. Um, forgetting that guy's name, the guy that plays her dad. Damn it. Uh, but anyway. That would know. be Lane Smith. I remember that guy. Lane Smith, thank, yes. He's in Blue Collar. He's in tons of movies that are great. And but, uh, so he uh, brings uh, You didn't, didn't break out the uh, In the Army now? None of that? That's actually on the way from Netflix, but I wish I could, uh, you know, like put a reverse on that and send it back before it arrives. Because yes. Biodome really broke the camel's back last night. I think that's got anyway, not only I think it's got only not only Polly Shore in the army now, but I think it also has Andy Dick in it as well. So. Oh wow, what a knockout punch that is! <laughs> I just don't know. I mean, we might watch five minutes of it, but I just don't know. Man. I just don't know. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll clip through these real quick. I watched uh, the Late Shift, the um, TV movie about uh, the Letterman Leno behind the scenes, um, which was all right, pretty good. Mm-hmm. I watched uh, Best Friends, the uh, Reynolds um, Goldie Hawn movie, um, which was okay, not as good as I had hoped. Um, yeah, that's one, of, watched, that's one of Reynolds' more serious films, right? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. well, it's, it's comedy, but there is some drama. There's some yeah. heated, heated moments. It's one of his um, uh, Cary Grant type films, because you know, he's a huge Cary Grant fan, and I think he tried to do a few, like, slightly screwball slightly romantic films to kind of get away from his you know his redneck romance type films interesting i didn't know he was a cary grant fan well that that kind of yeah. clicks that kind of makes sense i mean it's nowhere near as good as any cary grant film yeah but, i mean i'd rather watch father goose like a hundred times before i'd watch uh, this movie again but yeah. it was it was okay yeah. um rewatched uh the illusionist the um neil Berger movie oh, yeah. uh on blu-ray and I really, I really dig that one. Uh, it, it held up pretty well. It's not, it's not as good as the Prestige or anything, but it was pretty solid. That's um, the uh, Ed Norton one, right? Ed Norton magician movie, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not bad. Um, watched Buried, the um, uh, Ryan Reynolds, um, which was okay. Uh, I mean, they they pull it off, you know, and that they get the movie done, but it's a little too political for me. I mean, not that I don't, I don't like political films. I do, but. Uh, I kind of wished that I, I don't want to spoil anything about the movie, but um, I wish that the origins of the setup were different. I kind of was hoping for maybe like a supernatural setup or something like that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, I watched the Care Bears movie with my little girl. Um, don't front, don't front, don't bring her into this. Like she had anything to do with it. <laughs> I I ordered it for her. You know, she watched the whole thing. I've I've heard you under your breath through the Care Bear countdown a few times. <laughs> I like to you know throw a little Care Bear stare out there <laughs> just to chill people out. But you know, <laughs> that was an interesting one because she t- she went for it and I was watching it. And it was kind of sad because you know it's it's about some lonely kids and. I was I was realizing how many times I've seen the film because I was like I knew every line in the movie and I haven't seen it for twenty years, you know. Wow. And, and the, 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 I was thinking of you too, Will, because it was a very Canadian production. There's a lot of accents poking through, nice. and a lot of and I remember them because I think it might have been one of my earliest exposures to the Canadian accent because I was just like I remembered certain line readings really specifically because I hadn't heard those words said that way before. <laughs> So, it was kind of funny. Awesome. But, um, um, then I watched uh, Iron Man Two, um, which was, eh, was okay. I mean, the, the last battle was okay, but the getting there and the you know, yeah, I know. We we know Rick adores it, but the worst for me was the the scene when he's drunk at his birthday party. 
Yeah, dude, that really was, I was almost ready to turn it off. I was just yeah. like, okay, I know we want to play some realism here and the whole bottoming out and whatever, but, Ugh. oh, this is just so, I, I just, I couldn't believe that Favreau, a guy who I really have a lot of faith in, looked at that and said, this is where we want to go with this, you know? I don't yeah. know. Bizarre. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, then we watched uh, The Eyes of Laura Mars uh, last night, and uh, that was pretty good. Very, very giallo, as I'm sure you guys know if you've seen it. Yeah, uh, Carpenter wrote that. Yeah, yeah, he's, he gets a story credit and a co-script credit, and it's pretty solid. Good cast, you know. I can see why it's got the following that it's got. So, yeah. anyway, sorry to bluster on there. That's it for me. All right, large William. I managed somehow, somehow <laughs> to get seven films, and I don't, I don't know how. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, uh, actually. Yes, very impressive. Considering there's playoff football and the, <laughs> the shambles that comes with the kids, as we always talk about. Uh, I got the. Uh, I was very excited. I got my first Region B blue from uh, Amazon UK. Uh, co. UK. Uh-huh. First off, kudos to them because that thing got here in two weeks. Man, I ordered stuff from you guys in the states. It fucking takes me three weeks. <laughs> I ordered. Uh, yeah, I said, I said just. I said you something two years ago, and I don't think it still arrived. So it does. Yeah, no, it's it's just ridiculous, but. Uh, uh, and I have to encourage people to go to Amazon.co.uk because often their prices are as good as the American prices. Yep. It, it really impressive, man. Really impressive. But I watched that. Uh, the blue looked great, but the pinks and reds still were a little bit overblown and oversaturated. Um, Suspiria, but, right? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, Suspiria, of course. Mm-hmm. Which when I when I bought blue, that was immediately the first film I wanted to buy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a top ten probably film for me all time. So. You know, uh, my wife hated it. Um, <laughs> she, she, she'd never seen it. Uh, oh, she saw it for the first time on Blue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, you know, she just wasn't she wasn't down with. Uh, no, it's it's definitely an acquired. Ballet. My wife, my wife went for it big time, but I can see how it's not yeah. definitely not everybody's cup of tea. It, it was like, it was fun for me. Uh, not well, not fun in the way that <laughs> Will's pain is fun, but it was fun for me that uh, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, he's watching, he's watching with his wife. I'll be interested in what his wife says, and then of course she types in on the Facebook. I think what did she say? Just boring. Yeah, this is fucking boring. <laughs> and uh, then I, I replied, and then, <laughs> and then Will got involved. It was pretty funny. But. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, for sure. I was like, and I said to her, I'm like, man, Rick's gonna fucking love this. He's gonna. Get up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, so that was our. You know, it was good. It was uh, it was nice. Uh, kudos to them. There's some good special features on the disc too. I mean, you know, yep. um, one that she did like. I kind of it was a double for me because I want to bet uh, with something. You know, we make bets sometimes, and bet series revolve around movie selections. So I, I got nice. to program the double that night. So it was that and the Man from Nowhere, which is a, a South Korean film that's out right now. Um, and she developed her first uh, Asian movie star crush on Juan Bin. Of course, he was in Tegaki, and he was the the uh, the boy in the main boy in the movie Mother. Yes, uh, and then he's in this. He he was great, man. The film feels very much like a blockbuster, but it's brutally violent. Uh, some great action. It's a great. It's like a perfect summer film in a lot of ways. Um, I, I don't think it, it was anything. It didn't break any new ground, but definitely worth seeking out. Um, and it's then, Co- that's Korean, correct? Yes, Korean. It's what a weird yep. that Korean South Korean films are. They always find a way to work violence in there, and and it's yeah. not like it's it's not like normal violence either. It's always just it's a, brutal. It's, it's always a step up from like violence normally is, you know. You see like eyeballs in people's hands in this one. Like it's brutally violent, <laughs> man. There is it, it covers some dark stuff, but it also covers some interesting uh, kind of socio political stuff. Sort of the Chinese infiltrating into South Korea and Asia and <clears throat> and cheap labor. It, it, it's pretty good. I mean, it's not that it, it's a message film. It certainly is not. But yeah. it's interesting that when that stuff keeps into genre film with no aspirations beyond, beyond genre. That that actor too, he's very chameleon like uh, because I, bin, yeah. I liked him in uh, Taiga Gi and then I liked him in uh, Mother as well. And it's really weird. He he's very chameleon like. So he can move around. He, he just, just stuff. 
Yeah, he's fantastic in this, man. He, uh, he's, he's sort of like Byung-Hun Lee. He's kind of like the younger version of him. Really good stuff, though. Um, next up, I watched one that I know Roop would appreciate, The Cameraman. Oh, nice. Uh, oh, nice, The uh, Buster Keaton. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, so it was good. I, I, I dug it. Um, I still think, for me, Sherlock Jr. is just, you know, kind of towers over everything I've seen of his, which is yeah. only three films so far. But I got about three or four other ones on there, like one called... I don't know, beer and something. And <laughs> I got about three or four. I got some Marx Brothers. TCM had a great uh, week last week programming-wise. So um, anyway, so we watched that. And then I, my wife, she actually has a soft spot for older movies. So we're going to kind of program as many as we can. So we watched Bringing Up Baby. Uh, oh. Yeah. So uh, it we both dug it a great deal, Sweet. of course. Um, I do think that I much enjoyed before they got to the aunt's house. Like the stuff before the ants house for me was really great, and then when they got yeah, it this- slows. It really it's like very rapid fire, you know, all the way very pacey up to that point, and mm-hmm. then it does kind of slow down there. Yep. Yeah, but but definitely worth seeing. I mean, nineteen thirty eight. This film's eighty years old. It's you know, or uh, forty seven years. Great. It's pretty still pretty funny. I think if you're into it, I think I still oh, laugh yeah. at it. Oh no, absolutely, man. I was telling uh, Rick, I, I laugh more at these films than I do at modern comedies. Um, Breakfast on Pluto. Which is a Neil Jordan film. Uh, this was a recommend from Brian from Northern Ireland of Amicus fame. Um, uh, Killian Murphy playing a, a, a transgendered boy growing up in Northern Ireland during the Troubles, uh, who was abandoned by his mother, and he goes to um, London to find her in the late '60s, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty good, man. I'd highly recommend it. It's it, if you like sort of that that bizarre structure sort of like 24 hour party people where the, you know, not that it's a similar film, but it's kind of got that with a bit of uh, whimsy through. I don't know. It, it's really good though, man. I would definitely recommend it. Um, and then I watched Julian donkey boy, which, uh, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people would hate. Uh, I enjoyed it to a degree. I think it's cur- kind of Corinne going over the deep end though. Um, <laughs> and, and just a little too self-indulgent. Um, <laughs> That's you know, his. That's his. Uh, that's his dogma film. His. Uh, yes. Yes. Dogma ninety five film. That yeah. It, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he broke some of the rules in filming it that way. But uh, <laughs> oh well. What a surprise! Still, what a surprise! <laughs> Harmony. Harmony Korean breaks some rules. What a surprise! Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have any interest in Trash Humpers? Like I don't know why, but I kind of want yeah. to see that. Well, we talked about it at TIFF that year, but then we thought th- this could go south real quick. So <laughs> yeah. you know, let, let's yeah. bet on let's bet on the horses. We know we're going to run the race. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, that makes sense. <laughs> But uh, but yeah no I I I enjoyed it enough I think you know it, it just he took his fixation a little bit too far with the aesthetic and not enough stuff with I think commentary on you know lower white uh, lower class sort of white America I think it was just more about the aesthetic with this one than than a lot of messages uh, or or commentary that he had with Gummo which you know works infinitely better mm-hmm. um, other than that one I just watched about half an hour ago that is a GGTMC documentary if there ever was one Big River Man. Oh, yeah. oh really? <laughs> Fucking fantastic! My wife and I both just dug it, man. Great stuff. Hi, I really want to see that. Is really that cool. out in theaters or DVD or where? It's it's on DVD, man. I got it from Zip. Uh, they sent me that, and um, they sent me that in Palookaville, actually. So, uh, yeah, very good double there. But uh, no, high recommend, man. This guy, it's about a guy. He he's a Slovenian. You know, he's a real big kind of barrel-chested, big belly, fifty mid fifties kind of guy. He loves to drink. He eats horse burgers. Um, <laughs> it's a she said it is a documentary, and he he swam the Yangtze River in China, which is the most polluted river, like you know, in the world. He swam the Mississippi, and now he's going to swim the Amazon. And his it's it gets into kind of like Herzogian and Apocalypse Now territory. It's it's really good though, man. High recommend. Yes, that's cool. I remember they played that at our um, one of our uh, art house places, uh, Cine Family. Um, a while back, 
And uh, it sounded really interesting. I just put it up my up my queue here. Thank you for the heads up. I hope you enjoy it. I mean, it's one of those things I find as I get older, you know, I was kind of getting more into documentaries. And I think especially something like this where as a human, you kind of – and you kind of – you can appreciate seeing uh, otherwise normal people doing incredible things. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a new appreciation for that as you go on in life. So, right. yeah, that's what I've watched. Sorry about being long-winded. But uh, there we go. That wouldn't be a show if I wasn't <laughs> – Okay, I watched. Uh, looks like maybe four films outside of the films for this. I got a few. I got a few in as well. Uh, I'm still trying to cram in all the uh, quote unquote. You know, you check all the uh, best of the year lists. So I'm looking through all of those, and it looks like this year I think I've seen every best picture nominee, which is very rare for me actually. So I've seen every one of them this year, and it was really rare considering it's ten films nowadays. So uh, that's good. But uh, anyway, uh, I watched uh, Winnebago Man. The, uh, what do you think? I liked it quite a bit, man. Uh, yeah, I did too. I did too. I found it very interesting that the approach the uh, the gentleman in the Winnebago Man videos takes and uh, at the beginning, and then he calls him back <laughs> to basically, yeah, you know, to you know, I don't want to give it away, but it's 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 really good stuff. It's it's pretty good, and it's it's a nice. Uh, I always find these these these, and I think we're going to see more and more of this, you know, because there's so much internet celebrity. And I mean, really, if you think about it, in a way, we've kind of. We're very, it's very minute, but we are very, you know, much involved in this internet celebrity thing too, all three of us in some way. And, uh, but not, not to the level of Winnebago Man, obviously, but it's interesting to me this, this internet celebrity thing and the effects it's going to have on our culture going forward. So, you know, the YouTube generation, so to speak. And, uh, it's very interesting to me, uh, the way, you know, that this gentleman could not quite grasp, no matter how hard he tried, <laughs> why he was, uh, popular in any way, capacity or form, you know. <laughs> Yeah, he's a really interesting dude. Yeah, he really Will, is. Do you, do you have any interest in seeing that one? Great interest in seeing it, man. Um, my wife, I, I, it, it's such an obvious one for me. My wife saw it on, it just turned up on Netflix Instant here, and she goes, oh, man, I saw a documentary that I know you would totally want to watch. So I think we might uh, might get into it, man. It looks fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty good. And I watched Restrepo, which is another one of these buzz oh, documentaries. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. I didn't love it. Uh you know, it's a little bit, and me and Will talk about this off the air. There's a little bit of fatigue with uh, the war, fi- oh, yeah. the war films, and the war documentaries and stuff. It's not to to uh, you know lighten up any of the importance of these films, but it's just I don't know, man. It, it, there's some stuff that's really well done in the film, and there's some moments where it just really kind of dragged for me. So it's good, but it's not it's not best of the year material for me. So no, I'm I'm totally with you, Rick. I mean, I I certainly would never try to discount the importance of the films and the ones I've seen. A lot of them are fantastic, but it's just kind of like any other genre for me. I get a little burnt. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And really, I mean, there's just so many of them. It's amazing. I mean, I don't know. It I, maybe it's just you know uh, perspective or something. But I guess during World War II, they were making all these World War II films. Of course, they weren't making the kind of films they make nowadays, which are more investigative and more you know, profoundly disturbing sometimes or just, you know, aggressive as opposed to back in the day where they made more propagandist type material. But it is, it is interesting to going through this period where we're in a war and stuff and all these films that are coming out. It is pretty interesting uh, that I feel like, you know, there's a little bit of fatigue sitting in. Like, you know, somebody needs to back away for a little while, give it a little time to cool off and give some perspective on it and then come back and make some of these films. But we'll see. 
Uh, I watched another documentary, three documentaries, three out of the four films I watched documentaries. Hey, about that. And it really, I, I actually watched a fifth film, but since I'm not really talking about it, let's mention it real quick because we're planning on doing a bonus on episode. I don't know if we're ever going to get around to it now, but I did watch Abba the movie, which is basically a documentary too. So <laughs> it's like five, four out of the five films I watched this past week were documentaries. Uh, uh, but the other one I watched was uh, The Real Dirt on Farmer John. Uh, this one's about a gentleman. Sausage guy? <laughs> no, I don't think it's a sausage guy, no. Okay. Uh, it's funny the way you said that. I ought to take that out for a clip. Sausage guy? <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, The Real Dirt on Farmer John is basically about this guy who, you know, he, he grew up in a, a, as a farmer, his family's farm, and they had 200 and something acres, and... You know, he kind of he's kind of a he kind of was a hippie and into art and stuff. So, you know, those two worlds clash. You know, the world of farming and the world of uh, hippie artist, uh, musician, painters. Those worlds really don't combine much. Uh, so, you know, there, it's really kind of like a story about how everybody around him kind of was like, you know, you know, he's a freak. You know, so and there's scenes in the film of him driving around on a tractor, you know, with makeup on and glam stuff on, things like that. So he's a, he is a bit of a character. Uh, but it is interesting, uh, kind of because it kind of discusses, you know, how it, it's a little bit of an old topic, but how much, you know, the governments have damaged, you know, personal farming and things like that. So it is interesting and stuff to uh, watch. It was good. It wasn't great, but it was good. And, uh, the other film I watched, I had to get it in because it's, uh, it's nominated for a lot of awards obviously now, but I got the King's speech in, uh, I like the King's speech quite a bit. I don't know if it's going to be on my best of list. I mean, it's a very good film. It's definitely an Oscar bait type film. Yeah. Uh, it really tugs. Sure. At, it really tugs at the heartstrings. I mean, uh, because you know, it really goes for the, the uh, you know, they really goes for the gut on a lot of scenes. I mean, there's a lot of great moments of overcoming things and, and stuff like that. And uh, it's a little long in spots, uh, uh, but it is a very good film. I mean, I would recommend people check it out definitely. I don't know if it's obviously you know, well, obviously it's not my best film film of the year. Maybe not even top ten for me, but it might be in that bronze category, silver category. It's definitely a really good movie though. So. No, it was funny. I was talking to a coworker about that this morning. I, I also have not seen it, but you just get a sense of, like you said, Oscar Bates, and I just I know it's not going to be as good as people are saying it is. Yeah, you yeah. know, kind of. It just it's, can't live up to that. It's it's still at the end of the day, like one of those obstacle movies, you know, and it, not to be too reductive or <laughs> whatever, but it's you know, guy overcomes obstacle, and I get mostly sucked into those like nobody's business, but yeah. they're not the kind of movies I want to come back to personally. I, I agree, and I remember when I had, I think I told you, Rick, when I saw that film playing at TIFF, I literally, brought, I literally laughed at how much I didn't want to see it because <laughs> it's like a fucking, you know, it involves like the royal family and uh, you know, and a man getting over stuttering, and I don't want to diminish or make light of that. I certainly don't. You know, but I'm sure it's more interesting than that premise, you know, throws out. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But I'm sure it is. I, I don't want it to be dismissive, like I said, or make light of sure, people's tr- troubles or struggles. It's nothing to make struggle, uh, light of, but it just it didn't sound appealing to me. Now, of course, now everyone's, you know, trumpeting its praises. I am going to see it uh, for myself before we do our year-end list. Yeah. The acting is really exceptional in it. Uh, Colin first really great. Uh, Jeffrey Rush is Jeffrey Rush. very great, as usual. Uh, really, the film's about their relationship, and that's probably the best parts of the movie for me. Uh, it's not so much it's not so much the teacher student type thing as much as it's really just a genuine relationship. Uh, Helena Helena Bottom Carter's really good in it, and uh, surprisingly, I didn't even know he was in the film because I didn't even check the cast. But Guy Pierce is very good in it. So, oh wow, it's it's uh, and Guy Pierce pulling off this great royal accent, uh, <laughs> English accent. It's just you know he's just really really good. I mean, he does a great job with that. But it, it's. It's a well-acted film. It, it's, it's, uh, it looks good in spots. It's not very colorful, be warned. It's a very dreary-looking movie, but it's, uh, 
Uh, it is very well shot and stuff, but uh, yeah, just not best of your material for me. But again, uh, a very inspiring tale, so to speak. So, and it did throw me back to the '90s because once I saw the Weinstein name pop up, oh. and then I and then I thought about all these Oscar nominations. I was like, wow, I'm right back in the '90s. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding, weird. man. Hey, what's up with? I'm just looking at the Oscar nominations right now. Live for the first time as we've been doing the show, I'm stunned that Tron didn't get at least a achievement in visual effects. Like that, that seems kind of baffling to me. Yeah, that's a bummer, man. Actually, I'm, I think I'm, a lot of people were surprised by that, and they were surprised that Scott Pilgrim didn't Nolan. get nominated for. Uh, well, also visual Nolan, effects. right? Nolan yeah. gets passed over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, especially. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll, we we could have an we we you know we potentially could do a little Oscary episode, but. The, the only thing that really made me happy about the Oscars this year, uh, which I don't really pay attention to them anymore either, but what I really did make me happy was uh, the love that Winner's Bone got. That's really good. That oh, was surprising yeah. and welcome. I was really psyched about that. Yeah. Very you, much so. And I'll tell you, that that supporting actor one is going to be a dogfight. Bale, Hawks, Renner, Ruffalo, and Jeffrey Rush, that's a dogfight, man. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I, is, I, I can't even. I, you know it's got to be. Who who you think it's going to be? Bale. It's going to be Bale. It's got to be Bill. It's going to be Bill. Of course, I think it's going to be Bill too. But you know what? I'd be happy. I'd be fine if Renner won. I'd be fine if I'd be fine if any of those guys won. I thought Hawks was better than Renner. I thought John Hawks was fantastic. I, well, Renner's he my, was fantastic. Renner's my favorite part of the town, but no, I, I agree with that too. But, but still, I felt like Hawks was better. Well, That's yeah, I think if you see you see King's Speech too, you'll probably like Jeffrey Rush quite a bit too because he's really no, fucking he's good great. in that. So, so it's it's one of those things where you're right. That is the category this year. Uh, of course, Bale is my favorite in that bunch because uh, I really, I mean, I, I already talked about that, so I won't talk getting into much detail. I really got to see that movie, but I was going to say, uh, Will, I, I, did I tell you guys that I saw Tron a second time? Did I talk about that at all? No, not at all, man. Did, was this, it any better? It was way better, actually. Oh, way wow. better. This is just for me personally, and you guys may not have this reaction, but I took, I saw it with my wife the first time. I was very tired. And I just couldn't, you know how you get in a groove with a movie or you don't? And if you're not in that groove, you're basically in the outside looking in, sort of laughing at the movie or just rolling your eyes. Getting annoyed by the minute. Exactly. In <laughs> yeah. this case, I went with my son. I'm sure that was part of it. And, you know, I was fully ready for it. I knew exactly everything that was going to happen. And I flipped for it. I mean, I wouldn't put it in my top 10, but I was like, this is just the perfect sequel to Tron. I had such a great time. Yeah. Uh, I really recommend people see it a second time if they're even remotely inclined to do it, especially while it's still in theaters in 3D, but in general. Well, maybe I'll, I'll, I won't go back to the theater, but I definitely will check it out again on Blu-ray. Check it out on Blu-ray. It's going to look yeah. great on Blu-ray. I don't know. That's just my personal take. Yeah. I'm a big Tron fan, and I was a little disappointed. I tried to keep my expectations low when I went the first time, but... I just had a little trouble with it, as a lot of people did. But man, I can't tell you the second time the music. I got caught up in it emotionally. I don't know. It was yeah. just this whole other thing. That's fantastic. That's very interesting. Very it is interesting. Anyway, sorry about that. I'll watch no. it when it comes to blue as well. Of course, I'm not. I am a Tron fan, but not uh, big enough to go to the movies to see Tron the remake. So, but of course, I'm not a 3D <laughs> fan. I won't go to. I will not go to any more 3D films. I'm done with. Oh wait, that. Rick, you haven't seen it. You haven't seen it at all. No, I haven't seen it at all. No. Oh, interesting. No, but I'm very curious to hear. I, I've decided I'm not supporting 3D anymore because after the couple 3D films I've seen, I just don't see the point. So I'm done. No, it's ridiculous, dude. It's ridiculous. I mean, I, I wouldn't be if I didn't have a son that wanted to go see movies. Yeah, yeah. Totally well, fair. There's a great. Fair. There's a great article. I actually forward. I was going to mention it here in the intro, but I don't want to talk too long in the intro. But the, the great article going around that Roger Ebert uh, put out about from Walter Murch talking about 3D films. 
Is it oh, Merch yeah. and Lucas or just Merch? Uh, I think it's just Merch, I think. Okay. But, uh, it looked yeah. like it was just Merch from what I read of it. And it's really Lucas was on board somehow, yeah. too, but that's cool. I got to read that. And it's pretty interesting because, you know, he says that, you know, basically 3D doesn't work. And, you know, the, you know a lot of people are drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> so, I mean, that's his opinion, but, you know. No, that's a fair one. Anyway, sorry to uh, go on and on about that. All right. No, no. That is the intro. We'll uh, we'll take a short break. Come back. What do, want, what do you guys want to talk about first here? It's either it's either way. The film's going to involve the word body. So, uh, <laughs> um, why don't we? Do you want to do my my bodyguard first? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's do that. All right. We'll come back and talk a little my bodyguard. We'll be back right after this. Are you looking for a way to connect with people who like the things that you like? Whether it's music, movies, TV, or whatever you're into, head on over to the Palaver.com forums. <coughs> yes, yes, but, but forums and message boards, boards are elitist and archaic. Well, yeah, maybe if you're an asshole. Palaver.com is home to all your favorite podcasts. So why not head over there now? Start talking about all the things you want to talk about. That's palaver.com. P-A-L-A-V-R.com. So there's a logic to my madness with the little Molly crew there because even though this film isn't directed by Marcello Epstein, the next film is, and he directed some Motley Crew videos. So I figured we'd throw a little crew in there. I don't think I've ever played crew on the show. So no, wow, that explains a lot. Um, that explains a lot. Yeah. A little Bobby Black. <laughs> yeah, 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 a little Bobby Black. There we go. All right, uh, so our first film is My Bodyguard. Uh, Root picked this one, so I'm going to let him synopsize, and then we'll talk about it here a little bit. Let's see if there's a decent one. I mean, I, I could almost do this one myself. Um, oh, man, it's another one of those, like, novels. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the, the gist of it is um, Chris Makepeace plays a uh, a kid uh, who uh, moves to a new town because his dad, Martin Mull, uh, is a hotel manager. And as kids are wont to do when they're new, um, he gets uh, involved in the wrong way with – the local bully in his class and um and things sort of go from there I, I don't if people haven't seen this movie i don't I, I will maybe end up spoiling a little bit but but it's kind of that that's kind of the story of it you know okay yeah i mean it makes sense i mean it is it is a little hard synopsis but uh, i think once we get talking about it i think everybody will know exactly where we're where what the film is and everything so you know i've yeah. seen this film thousand I, I don't even know i've seen this film probably i guarantee you i've seen this film a hundred times Wow. So, uh, and the reason why is, is is the reason why is because when we got cable growing up, this was on all the time. This one and and was it Little Darlings and or is it Little Fox? <laughs> Which what is is it the it's the Little uh, Darlings? Yeah, yeah, yeah that a, one. Which, I'd love to talk about that at some point on the show. Yeah. I like that movie. This is the one too. me and you talk about. Yeah, that's the one with Armando Asante, and you can't even tell if he's got nipples or not because his fucking <laughs> chest is so hairy, man. 
<laughs> looks, he looks oh, like yeah. that raft creature in the fucking creep show movie when he's in the pool. <laughs> creep show too, yeah, yeah, totally, dude. That's great. But uh, I've seen it so many times, so I was really excited to cover this because uh, I hadn't seen it in like I'd probably say I hadn't seen it in ten years. But Will, I don't think had ever seen it. Am I correct, Will? Yeah, I never seen it, man. So I'm definitely going. So I'm, curious. Man. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely so going to let Will take the lead on this one. So go ahead, yeah. Large Wayne. Okay, uh, I I also actually watched it with my mom and my wife. Uh, it should be said. So yeah, because my mom was down for the night, and you know, we uh, I, I just figured it would be a better choice for a group viewing than Body Rock. I wanted to enjoy yeah. that <laughs> in the solitude of my office, so I could you know impromptu just break out the moves if I needed to. But um, yeah, so. Uh, my bodyguard. Um, I get caught with my pants down right out of the gate here. Um, so I was just opening up something. Uh, and that sounds even worse now. Let me just get into the review. Okay, so this is a film that, um, it, to me, people talk about certain films being very GGTMC. This is very GGTMC as far as you go, Roop. Like, when I'm watching this film, I kept thinking, man, this is such a Roop film. Like, it just feels very much to me like... Like, this is the kind of rock-solid um, film of its kind that I, I could feel you recommending to me. So mm, let, me, cool. let me get that out of the way right away. It's got a very interesting cast, Yes. Uh, as I'm clicked on the, bo- the body rock cast, of course. <laughs> uh, it's got, of course, Chris Makepeace, and it should be said we have a very dear friend who runs a very lovely magazine out of the NYC that was named for this actor. That's yes. right. So I think that's very interesting. And, and I guess the other connection, which I won't get into too much, is that ironically... Uh, his character's last name is Peach, so very, very interesting in that regard in a very meta way. Um, it's got Adam Baldwin, who I think most of our listeners will probably know as Wolf Mother. Um, yeah. Matt Dillon. Animal Mother, Animal Mother. Sorry. Uh, Animal Mother, I'm thinking of that uh, Australian band. Yeah, and, and a good chunk of our listeners nowadays would know him as... Uh, Firefly. Yeah, Firefly, yeah. and of course he's on Chuck. He's he's very much a TV actor now, but uh, yeah, no, he's he's been a around for a while and stuff i've always thought he's a good actor i always thought he's under i love him yep. i love him yeah he's really good man uh matt Dillon, you know who all of us i think love and <laughs> yes. you know was, was really was really uh doing a lot, a lot of work back then in his uh early teens and mid-teens uh joan cusack who looks just unbelievably young <laughs> yes <laughs> unbelievably yeah. young uh and then of course you know you guys can confirm or deny this. That one fucking guy in uh, in Dylan's crew. Look, I, I could have swore it was, but his name's not in the credits. Was that not William Zabka? No. He looks a lot like Zabka. He's very Zabka. Yeah, he looks a lot like Zabka, but I don't think it is Zabka actually. No. Yeah, that's. I was just like, man, that's totally Zabka. Man, he's prepping for Johnny putting on the skeleton costume in a few years. <laughs> yeah. um, what's, what's interesting is, is there's also some interesting other actors in there. You got, uh, of course, Ruth Gordon's in there. Yeah, and, and Martin Mull, you've already mentioned uh, John. Yeah, House. Martin Mull, maybe given one of his best performances, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, he's not very. He's not very Martin Mull. He's more. Yeah. Uh, he's acting more than he's being Martin Mull. You got John Houseman in there who would pop yes, up. Yes, and- in a small a role. I took me a minute to recognize him until Ruth Gordon got off his lap. You got the. <laughs> yeah, you got the guy that played Sweet Chuck in the Police Academy movies, Tim Kurzinski. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, and they, the two maintenance guys are great because it's him yeah, and and uh, Norm. Yeah, Norm. Norm yeah, yeah, George Went, and then of course. Uh, this is just for real movie geeks, but uh, John Cusack's dad and Joan Cusack's dad played the principal, but that's uh, Dick Cusack, who a lot of people don't even didn't recognize. Him, so I recognized him, but I didn't know that. Wow, that's cool. Which I didn't even recognize, really, until I was watching it this time, because now I knew who Dick Cusack was. When I watched it back 10 years ago, I didn't know who the fuck Dick Cusack was. So No, <laughs> definitely not. And I'll tell you, when my wife pointed out, I couldn't fit place the face i thought it was 
Vanity. Uh, it was oh, actually, yeah. of course, Jennifer Beals, and yeah. she looks she looks more Hispanic in this. She's got like a real tan. She's working a real tan in this one. But uh, yeah, yeah, my, she's wife, in my wife's like, "There's Jennifer Beals," and I was like, "No way!" And I think she might be unbilled even because she was I unbilled. Love, yeah. yeah, yeah. The the cast is neat. It's broken down into you know the kids and then the adults. And yeah, I yeah. was looking for her name, but she's not there. It's what's, definitely her. What's weird is Dean Devlin is in there somewhere. The direct, the producer of you know the Roland Emmerich films, but I I can't his, I couldn't see him in there. I couldn't see him either. His dad produced the movie. I saw yeah. that. He's in there Dumb somewhere, thing. but I don't know where. Yeah. He plays. He's billed as boy. So there you go. So I don't know. That, that narrows it down <laughs> yeah, in true. a school high school movie. <laughs> yeah. um, but the film has very much a very late '70s opening to me. Like I got to be honest, when you had said my bodyguard, I had a very foggy notion. I thought this was going to be almost like well, what is it? Um, uh, Three fifteen, or, or you know, one of those films that was more just kind of like the fight and the nerd, and you know, all that stuff. But it wasn't. I got a, a completely different film, and I, I'm thankful for it. It should be said, but it has very much a '70s opening. It's kind of got that music and and um, make pieces riding around uh, on his bike, and it just it kind of set me up for what I I uh, I was in for. And I got to say again, early on, it was a bit giant because I was expecting to hear Kenny Loggins or something. <laughs> Yeah, Dave Dave Grusin's score is I call it like very Paddington Bear. I feel like yeah. it's you know it's yeah. it's cool and it's date it's a little dated, but you know it it works. It's got a certain earnestness that the film has, and if you can get around that, I think you're okay. Oh yeah, yeah, because it's it's very it's very old school in some ways, and it's really weird because like the triumphant moments are very are very classical in nature, and and so the music's very classical in nature. It's very. It's very strange to me, but it is weird going back and revisiting some of the music and stuff. I do love the opening, though, and I have to mention that Chris Makepeace is yeah, – what I will always know him for is his hair. That kid – Yeah, I was going to say. Has the bushiest hair. <laughs> I don't understand it. It doesn't physically It's, it's amazing. It's amazing hair. Who, uh, Makepeace? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. But you know who also has amazing hair? I wish she had been in it more was that uh, that helmet-haired card-making socialite from Cincinnati in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, she yeah. had incredible helmet hair, yes, but she uh, yeah, Ruth Gordon tries to pri- and you know Ruth Gordon, of course, it should be said, she's kind of reprising uh, Maude a little bit. Oh yeah, this. yeah, yeah. Um, Pretty much the character she played from Maude on, really. She yeah. I'm, all my all my life, I always knew her as Maude, and even in the Every Which Way Baloo, she's basically playing the same character. Good old yeah, Maude, very Maude ass character. It's it's a good. It's a good role. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh no, for sure. Uh, I'm sure you guys saw this. The X-wing in the background. I, I, early on, I think someone's playing with it. Or Martin Mull picks it up and makes pieces room. It's it's always funny. You know, we talked about this with the cloak and dagger review. Um, it's always funny to, to see um, like the way the kids' rooms are decorated. What's what posters are on the walls? What toys are on the shelves? And if you're in malls, what stores there are? I always like seeing that stuff. Yeah. Of course, nowadays well, nowadays they would have to pay to pick up that X-wing and put it in the scene. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Um, Ruth Gordon says to her grandson, because uh, it should be said they live in the hotel, the dad's the manager. Um, at least I think it was her. She says, uh, don't you strike a woman. Men think women like that, but they're wrong. And I thought, clearly they're not aware of the Silva Boucher uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. relationship. <laughs> yeah, clearly she's never seen any Euro crime. She don't know what she's talking about. Yeah, That's precisely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, don't, that, I don't know what world, by the way, that line comes from because I don't know any woman that likes to be uh, smacked around. But hey, you know, whatever. Yeah, or, or any woman that gives that impression. I don't, I don't know. I guess I don't know. That's a little bit bizarre, to say the least. Uh, I thought it was interesting they opened the film at the hotel and kind of leisurely with him riding around, as opposed to 
right away we're thrust into the high school. It's the nine o'clock opening bell. Because usually when you get a teen comedy, quote unquote, or one of these kind of films, it would open at the school in the morning on the bus. You'd see, you know, the main character get pushed over or get like um, spitballs thrown at him on the bus. And this one, it's very different. It's still got that 70s vibe a little bit in that mm-hmm. regard. And I like seeing it open that way first. Yeah, I think, in my opinion, and I've seen this film, like I say, hundreds, of, you know, a lot. I always liked that what they do is they kind of set up, you know how, I mean, I, I, I got picked on in high school, uh, not in high school, in middle school, I should say, here in the States. Same I don't here. Know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot of kids go through this. You either, you know, you either get picked on or you're the guy that does the picking. It's as simple as that. That's really the pick pecking order, it seems like. Or sometimes you're lucky and you're not involved in any of it. But, uh, unfortunately, I did get picked on a little bit and bullied and things. Uh, not to this level, obviously, but, uh. Not to the level where I had to have a Rocky fight <laughs> uh, in the movie, but uh, there's this. What I like about the way they set it up is there's this safety in his home life, as as kind of moving around and messed up. It's kind of military, but there's this safety with his dad and his grandma and this and this big uh, place and riding his bike. It's and like a castle. It, yeah. the hotel's really like a castle. There's this kind of yeah, this kind of quaint nature to to how safe and, and comfortable he is and how this relationship he has with his dad is a very open one and uh, it's it's really good and then of course they thrust him into the harsh reality that high school is and I think that by doing that they make those scenes with Moody and stuff that much more intimidating right so yeah no that's very true I didn't really think of it that way uh, that's a good point yeah absolutely um, I like the uh, again it's just insane how young everyone is including Matt Dillon I mean, used to see him young but he's even younger here but um, I love the when you get you always get the character in these kind of films, um, kind of the mythology builder or the tour guide, the kid who befriends our our central character. And I love the kid in this, the redheaded kid. He you know and he he kind of pumps up Moody you know as being the bully, but he also throws out gems like you can get hep from the fresh ones, and of course referring to <laughs> snot. <laughs> yeah, that's a great intro to that character. Uh, he's I love him. He's one of my favorite. As you, as you call him, like, tour guide characters. Yeah, he's great. What's yeah, int- he was great, man. What's interesting is he tells him to check under his desk. So I'm like, <laughs> what, what, what was his logic in doing that? Was it to see if there's any boogers under there? <laughs> yeah, I know. It was just like, I remember, yeah, sitting at desks and just the fucking gum, you know. And <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course, we get the fresh ones. Uh, but, no, he was great. And I think, you know, I'll probably come to it a few more times when I talk about the film. But I think that's the thing I take away most from the film or admire the most is the respect it has for its young characters and the skill at these young actors to play these young characters and for us as a viewer to get behind them as much as we do. I think it's 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 really a breath of fresh air that at this time, you know, the, we weren't um, reducing these characters to archetypes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I think you're totally right, Will, and I think that's the film succeeds a lot on that 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 it takes its time. I mean, it's simple enough to say. It takes the time to set up those characters, let you get involved with them emotionally, and when you get to that ending, I feel like if if it, the movie's done its job, and for me, it does in a big way, you're so invested by the ending. You know. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it should be said that um, Matt Dillon's character Moody clearly rolled with the uh, Rupert Pupkin massive because he rolls the white starch pants in this film, man. He rocks <laughs> those. Right. <laughs> so um, I had to notice that. With, with a satin a satin bomber, no less. <laughs> <laughs> That's priceless. Nice. It is outstanding. Um, and he's got a wispy stash to boot. So anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just weird. It's like, you know, <laughs> the, uh, the principal, again, uh, Cusack there, uh, it's interesting because 
it felt like when the students were in, it almost felt like a police precinct because he didn't have an office. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just out in the open. I don't know if it's just, you know, it's supposed to be a public school and the harsh realities of it, the underfunding and kind of the rougher on the edges nature of it. But, uh, but yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, that's, I just want to say that's really cool that you noticed that. I hadn't thought about that aspect. There's one thing I have a note here that's – I. Um, at one point, a janitor is walking by Cliff Peach, and he says, lock up in 15 minutes. Oh, and I was like, this totally makes it feel like a prison movie. So this prison police station feeling that school has is kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, that's true, man. That's true. I, I, I remember that line, but I didn't really put two and two together until you said it right now. Um, Adam Baldwin, I think part of it is maybe that the the actors that uh, – I realize it's 1230 at night and I have kids to sleep. I'm trying to lower my voice here on the fly because I'm probably shouting. Um <laughs> Adam Baldwin, I'm sure part of it was because Make Peace and others were a little bit small for their age, but he looked like a big fucking boy, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know how big he is now. Do you guys have any idea what his size is? He's like 6'2 or something? What is he? Like, I'm six feet, and I felt like this guy would just, you know, want me into the ground with a Bud Spencer <laughs> overhand smash. <Yeah. laughs> I'm not how sure big how big Adam Baldwin is. He always plays big guys, though, and it seems like in every film he's in. So I would assume he's at least six feet tall. I would assume that. Yeah. Oh, he had to be. He was fucking big, man. Yeah. Um, I love. Uh, actually, I'll save that. I love how our tour guide. Six you know, four. Six four. Wow. Yeah. He's a big boy, man. Um, I love how they they get into that whole thing of oh, he raped a teacher and he killed a cop, he killed a student, and you know, I think it's one of those things. When I had said to my mom and my wife, I said, it, "When you're that age, you believe that stuff," and it it's. It's one of those things, I'm not going to probably verbalize it properly, but when you're a teenager, that stuff just really does feel like life and death. Mm-hmm. And and I just, I kind of like that. It was, you know, it was done really well here. Yeah, no, it's that mythology you're talking about. That, that That's what's interesting to kids, and that's what, you know, they like you said, they buy into. I, I love the kinship that this movie has to 3 O'Clock High, which is another of my favorites. Oh, Where yeah. Buddy, Buddy Ravel has the same sort of myth surrounding him that yeah. uh, Lincoln does. Yeah, Totally. Totally. And that's, yeah, like one of those kind of films is what I thought it was going to be. Um, I love the extended shot of, uh, of Adam Baldwin staring at the girl. Yeah. I just thought it was a great kind of unguarded moment for his character um, to the point where I thought the DVD was maybe frozen. Uh, or the, and then, you know, he blinked and I thought, okay, it was just, it was great. You know, the, you can, I think that's probably one of the first glimpses we have into um, the, the heart or the soul behind this kind of big lumbering myth that, that kind of walks around the school by himself because it kind of shows the more sensitive side uh, of his character. Right. I just realized, I was just thinking about it. We've talked about Adam Baldwin before. I forgot he was in, I don't know why I forgot this, but he was in DC Cab. It's the second time on the show. Oh, actually. yeah. He was the young, he was the main guy in that, like yeah. the young, wide-eyed. Uh, he was Albert, Albert Hockenberry. That's, that's right, man. I, man, I, I, he's been on the show twice now, and it hasn't even been Full Metal Jacket. Figure that out. <laughs> yeah. um, that's cool. Oh, he'll be on the show again at some point because I would like to do 315 at some point. So. I was going to say that's a perfect GGTMC movie and on uh, Netflix Instant right now, as is My Bodyguard. Nice. Oh, nice. Oh, Very nice. nice. Um, Dylan, as always, you know, great at playing a fucking asshole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just nails it. I feel like he nails it in this movie. Yeah, he, he totally nails I'll tell you, my mom at the end, my mom's pretty laid back. And my mom at the end of this film was fucking wilding out. She was going crazy. She's like, hit him, choke him, step on his throat. Man, I'm telling you, man, she got out of her chair. She's swinging her fist, man. She's like Burt Young watching Rocky fight, man. Dude, that's crazy. awesome. Yeah, I she, love that. That's so funny. That's so cool. Yeah, 
Yeah, she was totally into it, man. So, you know, I think it gets a testament to nice. how invested she became in the characters, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I liked that they gave um, they gave all of the characters more gumption than you would expect in a film like this, too. Like, Makepeace kind of fights back a bit. Uh, he doesn't really back down, you know, early on. And, okay, he has to resort to, you know, getting the bodyguard and everything. But I like they give him a bit of, you know, um, gumption. And then Moody kind of has a bit of gumption when... When Baldwin first steps up to him, he's like, come on, guys, we can do it, we can do it. Normally that character, as soon as the, at the sight of Baldwin, would have fucked off the other way. But at least, again, it's a very minor thing. But I think it just, again, shows a little bit more depth than these characters are usually given in films. Because it comes from a place where the writers are older and they're dismissive of the, their teenage characters. Yeah. No, I agree. That's a really good point. Because there's an earlier scene, obviously, when Linderman appears and, and, uh, and, he, and uh, Mac Dillon does take off. So, you know, it's it's an interesting thing that he's decided, okay, you know what, I'm not, I'm going to try and do this with my buddies here, you know. Yeah, oh, totally. I'll try to keep, I'll cut out a few notes as we go here. Um, the re- I won't say too much about it, but the reveal of Linderman's past wouldn't happen in today's film. They, they would sugarcoat it. They, it would be a lot different than that. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I totally they wouldn't would. have played it as... Uh, well, I like that it's, it's, it's a two-fold reveal. Like, one, yes. we hear one thing, and then we hear another, and... I really like that because you, you, the way that you look at the character goes a certain way, and then you, it changes. But anyway, I just I think that's a great. I think it's a good reveal. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely is. Um, make peace. Ironically, almost I couldn't place it, and but it, he kind of reminded me of Matthew Modine a little bit, and it's like a young Matthew Modine. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I, I kind of get. I couldn't get the. You know, it was some sort of a vibe from him. Um, there's a really great great quote from i think baldwin that's after baldwin meets uh, ruth gordon's character the grandmother and he says oh your grandmother's great or something and uh you know i think she's afraid of di- i think this is i may be messing up who says what here but they say is she afraid of dying and he says i think uh no i think she's afraid of not being alive yeah which i that's love that's a great line it's a great line man a great yeah, line I like that a lot. um man i could just go on and on but the kind of the authenticity um how has been and when we talked about um, the who's the assistant manager in this? I mean, he's, he just looks like such a scumbag. And I know I've seen him somewhere before. <laughs> he's been in some Altman movies. I I don't know that guy's name. Yeah, uh, uh, he's definitely popped up. I'll see if I can find it on here. I'll look it up. Uh, he, you know, who he reminds me of? It's really weird. He reminds me of uh, when I first saw it. I thought, man, I think it's David Cronenberg. <laughs> oh, a little bit, a little bit with those glasses. A little bit, yeah, I could see yeah. that. But, yeah, uh, I know he's in. I know he's in Altman's movie Three Women. He runs the spa, if I remember, in Three Women. Yeah. Uh, what was his name? What was his name in the film? Do you remember? I can't remember now. Oh, I could, I could tell you if I saw it. Hold on, High Hightower. No. Hightower, Dinar Miller. No, I don't, I don't think it was Hightower. Well, Hightower doesn't sound right now. What the hell was his name? Coons. It was Griffin. 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 Yeah. It's Craig Richard Nelson, who has got a new picture here on IMDb, and he is aged badly. Sorry, Mister. That's to Nelson. be expected. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he was a sleazeball man. I think my mom said he was in Love Story as well. Uh, he might have oh, been. Could be. He's done a bunch yeah, of TV. Yeah, he was a seventies guy. Yeah, done a bunch of TV. What was his name? Craig. What? Richard Nelson. I want to see. Oh, at first, I thought maybe it was the T Nelson, and he was just switching the name. But like, oh, wicked coach is going to be in this man. Nice. Get to see him with the blonde frosted tips like he had in Action Jackson. Um, but oh uh, yeah, no, he doesn't look quite the same, does he? <laughs> no, nah, not not no. so much. Uh, um, 
Yeah, just a couple more things here. I, I love the moment when Ruth says to Baldwin, because she's a very, you know, uh, free spirit and, you know, kind of always, uh, you know, almost like an older pixie. And uh, we see that um, when, when Baldwin, something has a reveal that I really liked, really poignant. And she, uh, Ruth grabs his hand and says, you're among friends. And she totally stops on a dime and her demeanor changes completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, it's more it's one of them few not to not to belittle her not belittle, but to downplay her character, but it's one of the few serious moments she has and she does it so perfectly at the right time, you know, when it's needed, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, I just my blood was boiling at the end, which I think is what you want. It shows that I'm invested in the characters and and I hated that fucking that like that bald what was his name Mike Mike yeah I hated Mike the guy's a grown man I was like oh, even I was getting ready to get up <laughs> on my seat man I know isn't that great I mean I've seen this movie a bunch but every time I watch it that ending just yeah. really makes me just I I'm, I feel my body physically reacting to it which yeah. I mean, Look at uh, when you get a chance. To look at Hank Salas's uh, IMDb photo now. He 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 you know, he, ain't done, he hasn't done a whole lot. Uh, I remember him in like this film and like Doctor Detroit. Uh, oh nice! But uh, <laughs> which Doctor Detroit is a GGTMC esque movie in a in a way. Yeah, that could I could see that cover. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I hate whenever I mean I hate it, but I also love it. It gives me this great memory of when Matt Dillon goes, "Oh Mike." <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. What's up, Linderman? Are you picking on my buddy Mike here? <laughs> Are you picking on my buddy Moody here? Rudy? Moody? Yeah. Hootie? Ooh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, is that it, Will? Is that all you got? Yeah, that's, that's it, man. I could keep going, but I want to certainly give you guys a chance to talk about this. Uh, yeah, okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll just discuss a little bit more because you went into a lot of things, obviously, that I would have. But uh, like I said, I saw this a whole bunch of times growing up. It was on cable all the time. And, and Matt Dillon's a big part of my childhood. I watched a lot of those movies growing up, you know, The Outsiders and Tex and and uh, Little Darlings. We talked about that. and, and all these Over films. the Edge. Over the Edge, which is a Jonathan Kaplan movie, a good Jonathan Kaplan movie. Uh, I watched all those films growing up, and they were on cable a lot growing up, man. So this is just, you know, and you know, at the time when you're young, you can watch the same film a thousand times, right? And yeah. you know, you know, you find you find something new about it every time. You know, as I get older, it's harder and harder to watch films over and over and over again. I have to give it some time in between because I want to watch so much. But it's really interesting how you can watch these films, and this one always appealed to me because it it has a visceral nature to it. I think it's what Will was talking about how you get caught up in it uh, because everybody can identify in some way with this type of behavior or this type of uh, predicament for somebody. Uh, first of all, there's nothing in the world that irritates me more than a bully. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that just drives me nuts. There's no point in anybody being a bully. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to say... Agree. I'm totally with you. I'm not gonna, the yeah, I'm not going to say that I never bullied anybody because that would be a total lie. I'm sure at some point in time that I thought I was better than somebody and probably did a little bit of bullying myself. But... It's still it's still a just a despicable behavior that I can't stand. So, and it's kind of poignant now that we talk about this film because you know there's a lot of bullying. You know they got the whole thing with cyberbullying now and things and and all this stuff going on. So it's very interesting to talk about a little bit about that. But I don't want to get into too much of that because we could, it goes down some dark roads and I don't want to get that dark about it. Because this movie, in a way, even though it does deal with some some dark material, it's actually pretty lighthearted and kind of as an innocence. Yeah, as innocence. Yeah. And it's fun. It's a fun film, and it was great to revisit it. Uh, Tony Bill, who directed it, I always thought he was going to go on to be a very big director, but really, he made like four or five films that were, you know, pretty popular. I know a couple that were critically acclaimed in some capacity. I know a Jodie Foster film called Five Corners. Uh, 
I like that one a lot, by the way. Yeah, and there's a couple other films he did. Uh, and then he just went into the TV world and disappeared. And I, I know recently, it was really funny, I saw his name. I didn't watch the film, but I remember that James Franco film, Flyboys. I remember I saw his name on that. I was like, wow, Tony Bill's finally working again. Of course, I didn't that know. That baffled he- me. I'm, I haven't seen that, but I, I'm a little unexpected. Yeah, because I, I knew he had went into TV, and I know that's what he had been doing forever. So, And he acts a lot, too. So it, it's very interesting. But I always thought he'd end up being a bigger director, but he never really uh, came out of it very big. Um we talked about the cast. Uh, we talked. About, I don't know if Will talked about, it, but Dylan's insults in this film are hilarious. Some of these insults in this movie are just. I didn't. Oddly enough, this time around, I didn't write any of them down. I'm looking through here now to see if there's any quotes on the IMDb because some of them are pretty funny, man. Uh, let's see here. Of course, I like that. They, I'm just looking at the quotes, trying to see if Moody's gonna. Uh, yeah, the, I like the scene where he did uh, talk to Shelley. Hey, Shelley, you want to go to the movies? And she's like, sure. <laughs> okay, have a good time while you're there. And he's like, all right, all right, Yeah, that was yeah, great. That's just, oh, <laughs> just total douchebag. cocksucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking Moody's a cocksucker, man. <laughs> he is. <laughs> but there's a lot of great moments where he's, you know, just picking on people and stuff. But it is interesting that you really get caught up in it. And the other thing, you know, the stories. In high school, there's like, the, there's like this subset of myths that go on. I don't know about if, what it was like for you guys when you were young, but... Somehow, some way, you know, all of us in some way are a storyteller and we'll meet, we'll see a person and we'll hear a story about this person. People say, well, don't hang out with that guy, man, because that guy, you know, I can remember one guy, in high, this is going to sound bizarre, but one guy in high school that uh, I went to high school with, nobody hung out with this guy. He was a total misfit, you know, he was a nice kid, man, but he was a total misfit. And I won't mention any names, obviously, in case they listen to the show, but supposedly he did something as a joke involving peanut butter and a canine. And uh, and Did this really uh, happened because this story. See, this, I've heard this one too. <laughs> yeah, the hot dog in the yeah. girl's vagina. <laughs> yeah, it, well, that, that's what that broke off. Yeah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was my hot dog. She never gave that back. No, the uh, the uh, the uh, the thing is, I'm not going to go into whether it was true or not. I really didn't care. But what what it is is that these stories become so intense. They become this urban legend. They become these myths in high school that kids tell each other, right? And that's the kind of story with the Linderman thing, with the you know. He killed a kid, you know, that, that it becomes this thing other than other than what it actually is. Right. And uh, I find that interesting because that's what kids do. They, they they blow things out of proportion. And actually, some adults do that, too. It's not to say the kid only kids are guilty of that. But I did find that kind of interesting because I remember that when I was growing up, there's always some story. Some kid did this. Some kid did that. Oh, did you hear about so and so? You know, so I always found that kind of interesting. And, you know, it's usually secondhand info. And by that time it gets to you, it's like, you know, it's like Ben Hur. So. Uh, let's see. There's always a kid like Moody, and he always has flunkies with him. I got written down here. Uh, <laughs> this film is basically it's very GGTMC in a lot of ways because basically it's a revenge movie in a lot of ways. Uh, not as dark, obviously, but it does kind of get you in that visceral nature of revenge a little bit. Uh, but it really, to me, it's a movie about friendship and brothership. I really like that the Baldwin Makepeace relationship very much becomes a brother relationship. Uh, it's really touching in a lot of ways, and like any brothers, there's ups and downs, right? I mean, I love yeah. my, I love my brother to death, but I mean, we've had our moments. Let's just say that, and I really like that. Uh, you know, it kind of has its ups and downs. There's that great scene where they 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 uh, find the uh, the carburetor or whatever it is for the motorcycle, yeah. and, and uh, then they're riding the motorcycle and stuff. And it's just I don't know, there's something uplifting about that, and something that just gives me chills. Maybe it's just my youth or something, but or reliving that through nostalgia or whatever, but. It really is just kind of like this great moment, and Tony Bill decided to use slow mo for the 
the most awesome finding a carburetor scene ever put on film. <laughs> slow-mo and a freeze frame. Yeah, 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 you're right. It was a, it was a slow-mo freeze frame and then a fade. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great shot of Baldwin though. I mean, it's yeah. a really good, it really, I don't know. It, it's an interesting choice, but it really gets me. Like you said. Yeah. All of Tony Bill's film school came through in one shot. <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty great but i don't really have a whole lot more notes other than the, you know to say that you know i have a general love and affection for this film that i would defend it uh if somebody told me they hated it it would probably be one of the few films where i would actually get vocally upset and defend till to my dying death because i love it so much from my youth you know so it's one of those kind of movies you know where you just you're just gonna you're gonna fight for it no matter what you know i'm gonna pull <laughs> I, you know if somebody tells me they don't like it all of a sudden to me they're mike and I'm Linderman, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love that dichotomy. That's great. That's so. that's really cool, Rick. I did not know how dear it was to you. That's I knew you'd seen it. I knew you liked it, but yeah. I, I feel the same way. I mean, it's it's not one that if somebody doesn't like it, I I don't know. It's not like I would write them off, but it's it's such a favorite for me. I mean, we're talking top forty all time. Not to be too spoilery about my mm. rating, but yeah. I just love this film. All right, uh, that's uh, that's really all my notes. You can go ahead and keep going there, Rupert, a little bit. Well, I just, you know, you guys have covered so much great stuff. I don't know what else I can really add, but I just, I love, it's it's the stuff we've talked about on the show before about late 70s or 70s films in general. Just the 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 way that they take their time with the story. This is just, it's all going to sound very familiar. Um, it's a very simple story, ultimately. It's about friendship. It's about mourning. It's about redemption. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and, and it's, it, I just love how simple it is. You know, it's yep. it just doesn't, feel, again, that same thing we've said before, doesn't feel like a movie that you'd see today, really. It right. just, it would be different. It, the, the time would not be taken. Uh, I don't think I'd buy the relationship between the two, uh, between Peach and Linderman, developing in a in a current present day story because I just don't know if they could get that tonally right. And I feel like they just squeak by for me on the tonal issue of like some serious things that have happened to Linderman and you know, the emotional place that he's at and Peach trying to connect with him and him letting Peach in. I just, I feel like that's really well done. And I, I just don't think it, I could, you could see it anymore. You know, one of those things. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. Uh, I, I love Tony Bill. I think he's a really interesting actor. I mean, I've loved him since I think my first experience with him was, uh, and I may have talked about this movie on the show before. In fact, I think I have never a dull moment. The uh, Dick Van Dyke, gangster movie with uh, Edward G. Robinson and oh, yes, Slim yes. Pickens. Yes. He's like the, uh, the the lackey to uh, Edward G. Robinson. He picks up Dick Van Dyke and he gets slapped around by Edward Rob- G. Robinson a lot. Um, so it was really funny to me when I discovered this guy had directed movies. You know, he's in Shampoo. He's really good in that. Um, and, and, and you had mentioned, I think, Rick, you had mentioned Five Corners. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a great movie. I think people should see it. It's from the screenwriter direct well it's the same writer as uh, uh joe versus the volcano mm-hmm. and um it's got an interesting tone to it it's it's definitely a lot more serious than joe versus the volcano but there's an odd um mythology to it i think he likes these sort of films about mythologies of certain kinds yeah i don't that, know that would make sense because uh from what i read i didn't see flyboys but from what i read it seems a little mythical in some nature too even though some of it's true it does seem like it's a little bit of a mythical type thing so it must be something he is fascinated by i wonder if that's like a john ford kind of influence or i don't know what that is but anyway i really should see flyboys just because i i like tony bill that much mm-hmm. um but uh it, the, the writer alan ormsby also wrote the cat people remake which oh, i'm wow. actually kind of a big fan of 
Um, it's not a great movie. It's definitely, it's definitely not a great movie. But I, I don't know why. That's it's really odd and interesting to me that the same guy that wrote Cat People uh, wrote this. I, I, I would never connect the two movies. Um, I don't know. Um, you guys really covered a lot of great stuff. Like I said, the the, the way that you get emotionally involved slowly in the story. Um, I just I I gotta tip my hat to the cast and to Tony Bill. It's just really. I don't know. I, I, there are a few films like it for me that that get me quite the same way, you know. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of revenge films as as you guys have, but anyway, I, I want to hear you guys' grades and stuff. All right, uh, Will, I'll let you uh, get going on the MBTs and things. Okay. Uh, I would say that for me, I had a hard time picking one scene mm-hmm. that uh, really got to me. I think the film is pretty effortlessly um, uh, respectful of, of its cast. I guess the moment with Ruth Gordon, I, I don't know, I, it's hard for me. I just, I really love that moment that she was able to stop on a dime with the kind of, you know, the whimsy and the, the kind of free spirit stuff and just serious, firm, warm. That that was a moment for me that really ad- I admired in the film. But like, there's a lot of great moments in the film, the fight at the end. But by that point, it wasn't what made it. It, it could have been a different resolution and I still would have been I would have still wanted blood a little bit but I you know I I uh I think that the film does itself a service by by that point I think it, it's it's done enough for you if as you're, as you're invested as long as they don't totally fuck the characters over you're okay with that uh-huh. um my MV, in saying that my MVT is just to respect uh that the people involved had for the cast and of course the kids themselves they were all great they make pieces to shame he didn't do more um you know it's a shame baldwin hasn't done more um but you know such is life uh mm. moody comes out on top i guess <laughs> in career prospects on that one but uh my score for the film is a 7.5 out of 10 uh this is one that my wife all three of us loved I said to my wife when the boys were about nine or ten, I can't wait to show it to them. I think it's it's a really good film, man. If you don't want if you want to see a really clean, rock solid film about, you know, like grade nine or you know, whatever you want to say, um I I would really strongly recommend this film and I'm really happy you recommended it, Rube, because it's it's a it's a a excellent film. Nice. I'm so glad you liked it, man. Nice. It is interesting. I I'd forgotten that we had talked about it before and that you hadn't seen it, Will, so I was very interested as well, obviously, because I have a lot of uh, you know emotional attachment to the movie. So I'm glad you guys uh, liked it quite a bit, and your mom and your wife liked it quite a bit too. It's really awesome. Yeah, it's so so cool. You got to watch with them. That's really neat. Yeah. Oh yeah. I told my wife she would like this, but she was you know we we've been you know the sun's teething and things, and you guys know what that's like. So she wasn't really in the mood. She wasn't really in the mood to watch anything. You know, I asked her if she wanted to watch it. She looked like she wanted to punch my teeth out. So <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's you know one of the you know everybody's a little on edge lately. So. <laughs> uh, okay, my make or break. I'm gonna go with the scene where Makepeace stays after school in the uh, the library. You know, he sees a situation where it's gonna escalate, and so he decides to try to duck out and stay hidden. And then just that, it really gets my heart racing. That scene and these and these bathrooms are the biggest bathrooms in high school history. So uh, you know they're gigantic. They even have like basically a stage on them where you can go up and wash your hands. <laughs> So it's like this rise you can walk up on stuff. Uh, it's very interesting, but uh, I really like that scene, man. Uh, especially like it because you know there's that great chase, uh, which I find kind of it's funny as I get older and I watch movies. I find kind of funny that you know for school that he couldn't find the, his room in in the beginning of that day. 
that he finds his way out of the school very quickly when he's running away from the kids, you know? <laughs> That's a good point. I, I love the school in general. I think it's a great location, very memorable. Yeah, look, it, this looks great. I mean, it's got those great uh, kind of arched uh, hallways with the stairs and stuff that they're running down stuff. It just looks really great. And they run through that auditorium and stuff, and I always remember going to the auditoriums when I was in school and uh, some of the stuff I had to do, you know. But anyway, uh, I really like that scene quite a bit. Uh, it really establishes everybody, and it really sta- establishes the whole thing going forward. And they do a really good job of keeping Baldwin out of the film for a long time. So by the time you get to him, he already has a little bit of you know weight to his character before he even shows up. So that's really a smart thing to do. My MVT, I'm going to go with Makepeace and Baldwin. I just really love them together in this film. Uh, they're really great. Uh, I love the scenes, you know, where Makepeace you know, stands up to him and, and, and then of course, you know, looks for his friendship and things like that and stuff. And of course, I guess, I guess this is, is this New York or is this Chicago? Chicago. That's what I thought because he's riding along there. I thought it was Chicago in the opening, but I didn't make, I wanted to make sure, uh, I still love these, you know, I, I still love the films from back in the day because, you know, uh, the city looks like the city, right? Yeah, amen. It doesn't look like, uh, you know, well, no offense to Will, but it doesn't look like, uh, you know, the clean New York, which is Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of times in uh, in movies nowadays, it really does have this nice feel. When Linderman's going home or where he's going by his uh, the junkyard and stuff, I mean, really some great moments of uh, cityscape shot in there where he's uh, make pieces following him and stuff some great alleys and things really i was waiting for a sop to jump out on a motorcycle with some football pads and start blowing people <laughs> away you know so uh <laughs> my score for the film <laughs> i'm gonna give this one a solid eight out of ten i love this movie uh i'll love this movie until the day i die it's uh it's it's a great movie it's it's probably to be honest with you if i had to and i don't make lists very often you know that if I had to make a list, it would easily be in my top fifty of all time. Because uh, wow, I, even even if the score was lower than the other fifty films, it wouldn't matter because this film I just have that I have that emotional attachment to it. So that makes it a very important film for me. Well, I'm so glad I picked it, man. I was on the fence, and and uh, I I wouldn't have known about uh, your your love for the movie. That's that's really cool. I, I feel the same way. I absolutely do. Um, I don't know. I might make or break. I don't know. I know it's should be a scene that's earlier in the film, but um, that last scene for me, and I've talked about it. Oh man, I just every single time, like I said, just really gets me. So, and the first time, <laughs> it clearly gets you know just about anybody. Like I just love. Well, I just love that your your mom got so into it. It just really <laughs> knocks me out. You know, it's it's and my son, I should say, got really into it when I showed it to him. He he got. <laughs> Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty animated uh, during that scene, um, and he's had to deal, and, and subsequently he's had to deal with some situations, kind of like, uh, you know, not exactly like moody or anything, but some bully situations, and you know, it's it's a it's a tricky thing when that comes into your real life, and you have to sort of sort of try and figure out, you know, you try and you try and take a page out of um, the book of this movie and just figure out like. <laughs> What did they do wrong, and what can I really do in this situation, and what yeah. shouldn't I do? And mm-hmm. anyway, um, so that's my favorite scene. I think is the last scene. It's just a great climax. And um, I, I was going to say make peace and Baldwin too as my MVT, but the whole cast is really strong. I mean, Dylan is great. The I wish I knew. I think his name's Carson, the um, the tour guide sidekick guy that he meets. I love that kid. Um, oh yeah, you know. Uh, just all, all Martin Mull, Ruth Gordon. I mean, everybody's so great in it. I just, I got to give it to the cast. Um, I give it a nine out of 10. Like I said, this is one of my favorites, uh, all time favorites. Um, so I, I can't recommend it enough. I think it's only on Netflix instant till July, 
uh, and then it's going to drop off. Uh, but it's, I think it's HD. Or it's supposed to be anyway. Yep. Yeah, I think so, it is. Uh, I'm not sure if it's on Netflix Canada right now, but uh, I would hope so. It's not, I don't think. I looked, uh, which is sad, but I could be wrong. So everyone double check if you're here in Canada. Indeed. Okay. All right, so that is our thoughts on My Bodyguard. Uh, we are going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about something that's slightly different. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a little film known as Body Rock. So we will be back right after this. If you're enjoying this podcast, perhaps you'd be interested in GleeCast. You watch your tone, young lady. Hey, we're not forcing you to download the Internet's best or at least most booze-filled podcast about Glee. You want to be me. Who doesn't, Sue? But we know we can't be. Instead, Erica and Emily. Uh, Emily and Erica. Who am I? I just don't know anymore. I'd love to stay in chat, but I got a satellite interview. Sorry, we get off topic a lot. The point is, listen to GleeCast following every new episode of Glee. Plus, our sporadic bonus content on some of the greatest bad cinema that incorporates musical theater or sweet dance moves I'm going to ask you to smell your armpits the right or the left that's the smell of failure failure smells like dove mine has a pleasant lady speed stick scent kind of makes me think of candy canes your resentment is delicious visit gleecast.podomatic.com or search for us in the itunes store that's gleecast with a k part of the palaver.com family that's p-a-l-a-v-r.com boy the only thing missing from this place is a couple dozen bodies limed and rotting in shallow graves under the floorboards we're working on that We are back to break. I probably should have found some old school hip hop to play right there. Maybe some, some, maybe a remix by good old EZ from uh, Body Rock in there. I was going to okay. send you some, but I didn't. Oh. I could. I was popping and locking to that, so I'm good. That I would like to see. <laughs> yeah. So what, uh, yes, that would be nice. All right. Uh, so our next film is 1984's Body Rock. Uh, this stars Lorenzo Lamas. Uh, some of you guys might be familiar with Cameron Dye and a lot of 80s films. Ray Sharkey. And uh, I think that's about it as far as names. Maybe Grace Zabriskie, maybe people might know her, obviously. But other than that, I don't well, think. <laughs> well, yeah, she's pretty memorable. <laughs> yeah. There's one big name that, well, big probably isn't the right, <laughs> the right description. But uh, I guess a great trivia name in here is, of course, um, uh, Renee, is it Renee? Yeah, Renee Elizondo. Um, at first, I saw that and thought it was Hector Elizondo. When I saw the Elizondo, I was like, "Nice! <laughs> yeah. If he break dances, it's worth the price of admission alone." Uh-huh. Um, but Rene Elizondo was a pretty famous uh, producer, I believe. He was Janet Jackson's husband. Yeah. You know the cover, the infamous cover of her, mm-hmm. where the hands are over her breasts. Yes. Those are his hands on her breast because they were married for a long time. Yes, that was actually my original idea for the uh, artwork for our show was your hands over my breast. <laughs> but being that we're so far nice. apart, it was kind of hard to work that out. So we'll get yeah, we'll, we'll get to that next tiff. <laughs> yeah, they don't call me Reed Richards for nothing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, okay. So this is a uh, Body Rock, directed by one Marcello Epstein. Uh, the only directorial credit film wise for Marcello, Marcello, Marcello. Uh, he okay. Let's get a uh, plot synopsis. Uh, Chile is just a guy from the streets with a talent for breakdancing. When his wicked moves catch the eye of an industry pro, Chili finds his dreams of fame and fortune coming true for better or for worse. <laughs> All right, so 
Yeah. Anyway, read once you read a plot like that, and then you know see the film, it's just like it's like hilarious almost. Anyway, uh, I don't know who I don't know who wants to take the lead on this, but uh, I would be interested to see what you guys thought of Body Rock. Um, I don't know. Will always take such great notes. I don't know uh, <laughs> if I can top his notes. I have no problem going again unless one of you guys wants to. If one of you guys wants to, then go. If not, I'm more than happy. <laughs> I say Will. <laughs> go ahead, Will. All right. <laughs> I don't. I don't think. Oh, Rick, that for, wasn't to say that you don't take good notes. No, right? no, 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 no. For 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 film like this, you, uh, you know, I, I'm anticipating Will's notes because this <laughs> this is going to be. Fun. Now you're building it up, man. Now <laughs> you know I'm going to feel like chili in the in the in the nightclub once I've hit it, man. I, you know, but uh, I got to take these. The, I got to hot glue gun some rhinestones on my face very quickly here. Um, okay, so Body Rock, man. This film, you know, I think we all grew up in the '80s. I'm a little bit younger than you guys, but breakdancing was huge, man. I think we've all talked about, you know, breakdancing at various points in our lives. And mm-hmm. and this film really was riding when that, that wave was as high as it could get, 1984. So, you know, Body Rock comes out, Marcello Epstein makes it, cast the Lamas, <laughs> and they start things off proper because it's the return of the pink title credit on the GGTMC. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, that was glorious. Yes, it was. <laughs> It was glorious, man. And uh, it's almost as glorious as the opening sequence of Krylon spray paint, trench coats, and synchronized dancing at a crosswalk. <laughs> yeah. My first note is uh, this thing opens like a Krylon spray paint commercial, man. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, a killer, it's a killer opening song, killer opening titles. They, they kick it off right. <laughs> Yeah, proper. Yeah, you proper. know what you're you know what you're in for right from the get go. I mean, if you don't know the, what the rest of the movie is going to be like from that, then you don't watch very many movies. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, <laughs> to, to expect at this point, Fritz Lang beyond those <laughs> opening two minutes would be uh, you'd be sorely mistaken. But I think that really sums it up for you right there. I mean, if you're on board, and I couldn't help but think of like Emily and. You know, just a bunch of people that I, I we know are going to fucking dig it. It should be said, I've seen this before, and I am a fan of this film. When you said you wanted to do it, I was I was thrilled. Yeah, <laughs> thrilled. Um, yeah you mentioned Emily. I, I'm thinking of rapping, rapping, and and I think she, if she's a fan of that, she's got it. She's, there's no way she wouldn't love this. Of course she'll love this. She's got to do an episode of this on Cast. <laughs> yeah, I think she sure. would have to because the rapping in this, not rapping, the rapping, is very similar to the quality of the rappin and rappin. <laughs> well, it should be said, Bri, you obviously saw rappin as well. Yes. Yeah. The the like the country hick who raps at the end of that is probably has a better flow than Lorenzo Lamas. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that guy's got the worst fucking flow, even for a white boy, man. It's terrible. Dude, but, I would go so far as to say that the dancing in rappin is better than Lamas' dancing in this movie. Yeah, he's Personally. Ter- yeah, he he's pretty miserable. I mean, he really is. But you know, through sheer will, Chili makes it to the top. He's going to cut a record. You know, there's a lot going on. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, uh, no, no. Hey, uh, I love that they reference Shakespeare. They say, "Have you heard about Shakespeare? He wrote, used to write a lot of good stuff." <laughs> yeah, way to go. Thanks for the illuminating that for me. Um, uh, and then there's the unfortunate uh, GGTMC-esque line when they're when they're tagging uh, that wall before they take their class photo, where uh, 
where one of them, I don't know which one it was, man. I, I don't know, but he says, "Spray it on till every drop is gone." It's like, it's like, come on, are we, is this is this the is this Randy North's Power Hour, or is it? The, there's you know? there's no way that the stuff that they were spraying turned into what they the finished product looked like. There's no way because these guys were spraying. I mean, these these things look like fucking busted hieroglyphics. These fucking things oh, yeah. they were spraying on the camera and stuff because they were they were using like that plexiglass on the camera, spray paint directly on the camera type thing. <laughs> And there's no yeah. way because some of the stuff just look like scribbling, you know. It looked like my notes. Yeah. <laughs> and then when it, then when it gets done, it looks like this. It looks like a piece of Banksy art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know. It, it turned out quite impressive. I was like, they turned the corner on this very quickly. Yeah. Um, I do want to say because this is going to be one of those reviews, man. If you don't know that we're doing a 1984, a breakdancing movie with Lorenzo Lamas, you know, it should be said that I'm going to just a, a few serious notes peppered in here. If I'm going to critique this film um, without. Not not so much as a serious film, obviously. It doesn't try to be a serious film, so that would be unfair, an unfair shot at the film. But I do think that Lamas was, uh, amongst some of the problems with him, he was too old for the role, I think. Yeah. Yes, he more felt th- like he was about three or four years too old. Too old, too too big. The dude is just hulking over everybody in the movie. Yeah, he's just too, too he's, yeah, he just, he, he was the wrong person for the role. But I think in light of Falcon Crest and being a pretty face, they had to get him. Yeah, he was like uh, 26 or 27 when he did this film, so yeah, just, a little, just a little too old. A little too old to play the man known as Chili. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, and I got to say, man, Chili, Chili works a job interview <laughs> like it's nobody's business. I mean, this what a fucking rug on Chili. I mean, you know, he's sitting in that, uh, in that chair, um, you know, and he's got the rolled headband on, and, and he's got the fucking... The sleeveless jean vest and and sammy should you know as sammy pointed out you know this is really a film all about it, it makes a statement about uh, the wonders of the sleeveless um ensemble oh yeah yes they, yeah, i think this sorry. film this film is totally allergic to sleeves in films i mean it's <laughs> it's the most it's, it's the most ridiculous thing they, they find a way to work sleeveless shirts into almost every scene yeah, I, I tweeted, I think, at the time we were watching it, Lorenzo Lamas hates sleeves. <laughs> Dude, it's funny. My wife pointed out, and not to get spoilery, but there's there's a point in the film when he starts wearing sleeves. <laughs> and I don't, we'll get to it later, but it's an interesting sort of, yeah. you know. Shit goes downhill. Yeah. yeah, it's exactly. I was going to say that. It's that's, He's better off without the sleeves. Yeah, that's, that's the method where, that's the method acting kicking in. Once he had to put the sleeves on. He had to change his whole his whole routine. The uh, funny thing is about Lamas is really, if you think about his career, he has a total aversion to sleeves and shirts. Period. I mean, he yeah. he really has a problem wearing clothing. Uh, I don't know what it is about the guy, but he loves to rock like a vest and no shirt. I mean, he's one of these guys, right? He's 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 fucking. You know what he is? He's fucking Fabio. Without the, uh, without the, uh, well, without, without the bird beak scars on his forehead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, like I've, I've said this before on the show, I mean, my mom, you know, just thinks he's a, a gorgeous human being, you know, and, you know, that, that is Ooh, what Fabio, it is. Fabio or, or <laughs> well, uh, bo- bo- both of them, actually. So, you know, she's totally into the so whole. She's all stocked up on, I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's totally, she's totally into the whole long hair, buccaneered, shirtless kind of guy, you know, so, and she actually was one of these kind of people, you know, my mom will probably never listen to this so i have to tease her a little bit you know she's one of these people that actually bought one of the fabio books he wrote you know so i remember grabbing that i was like you know what i gotta read this fabio book you know i gotta read this romance novel he wrote with himself on this front you know with a big fucking puffy shirt on you know 
height of vanity. It was it was really rough. The book was, by the way, uh, but <laughs> wasn't even a good kind of dirty like romance novels can be. It was just kind of. Uh. But anyway, uh, yeah, she you know she watched Renegade all the time and everything, and I, I just always loved that Lamas. You know, he just. I mean, let's be honest. The guy is a specimen. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I mean, the guy, you know, I don't know about attractive, but I mean, the guy is definitely, you know, he, 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 he could be in the right era. Lamas could have been possibly a prettier Charles Bronson. Did, mm, I, I'm sorry. I love you, Rick, but I got to disagree with that. In the right well, I era. Say, I guess say in the right era. I'm not saying now. This is a fucking Twilight Zone. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I kept getting a, a really second-rate Travolta vibe from him. Yeah, this yeah, totally, well, totally. That's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, there's no doubt about it. He definitely has a second-rate second rate Travolta vibe going on. But I'm just saying. I'm saying that it's, it's a lot of the material he's picked and some bad things along the way. But I'm just saying, yeah, I think he could have been he could have been something else. I think those uh, those rhinestones he hot glue good on his face are blinding you right now, man. <laughs> yes. Well, that's the thing. The, the thing with Llamas is, and I'm not trying to defend myself. I know he's made some real turds and stuff. But total GGTMC material. I mean, oh, you yeah. can look through his filmography, and there's like 20 GGTMC type <laughs> movies in there. But we only made turds, man. Right <laughs> he he just he 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 he's always had something that I think that you know somebody hasn't tapped. And of course, now I think it's too late. Yeah, it's well. Of course, I should say it's been too late since like the late eighties. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, you know what, Rick? I might actually agree. Like a guy like a Tarantino or somebody, I feel yeah. like could resurrect. I don't know now. Probably not. But no, probably it not now. Skilled right. hands. It would have to be in very skilled hands. Very skilled. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I think they could channel. No, okay. You know, I got to give. Yeah, maybe so. But um, it's a stretch. It's a stretch. I, like his suspenders. I, it's definitely a stretch. But it. <laughs> but it. <laughs> But I mean, it's 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 it. I, I I feel like there's a glimpse there, a glimpse, a small one, a very small well, one. I'll tell you this: I'm rigging Kringle so I can new, get you next year, so I can get you a pillow with the Tiger Bee cover of him on it, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, no, I, I hear you, man. I think there there all had to be something there because I mean, he did how many films and TV shows, and you know, we're gonna do the Snake Eater trilogy at some point, so yes. you know. But he has really he has two distinct um, a fashion. He has two moves basically. Uh, he it's it's either full length snake or leather coat or sleeve. No sleeves. There's no in between. Yes. With him, it's one or the other. Um, I hate those fucking boots he wears and that scene with the coat. The, the jangly chains all over them. Oh, I fucking hate those boots. Those are terrible, man. And he wears them with like these sweat dress pants. Like they look like dress pants, but there's no form to them. They look like sweatpants dress pants. <laughs> It's tucked into cowboy boots with like fucking chains on them. What is it with people in sweatpants where they have to put the sweatpants? Like, who? I hope I don't make fun of either one of you guys here, but who buys cargo sweatpants? I've seen these things. You know, <laughs> I, I don't because I don't need to put nothing in pot. When I'm wearing sweatpants, I'm lounging. Yes. Yeah, that's what sweatpants. They're not for being worn in public unless you're exercising. Yeah. Maybe. How much stuff do you need in your pockets for your sweatpants? You know. For that matter, you know how tight you got to tie them, bastards. If you got stuff in every pocket in them, you know, you tie <laughs> yeah, them yeah, you know they're dropping. That's yeah. the truth. Um, I do think that this film, I, you know, I love early b boy culture because again, it was uh, I'm very fond of it from yep. my youth. You know, Africa Bambada. You know, we've talked before all the old school hip hop guys. That I love that culture. And again, this was just done to exploit the whole culture. But um, I love turntablism and, and graffiti and the break dancing, and I love all that stuff, man. So I think it, it is cool always to see it on film because it's something to be said for for my youth when I see that on film, whether it's it's um, making a, trying to make a buck off it or not. It uh, I always love seeing it in films. Uh-huh. 
versus the culture today now of hip hop, which I don't want to be one of those guys that's banging on the new because I'm an you know old guy. But uh, yeah, something to be said for that. Uh, we do we brought up Emily, but I would love to have I would pay money to have seen John Rappin Hood versus Chili D, you know, and and all you could almost do it like the pulse beat um, aerobics Olympics, but it could be like the 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 rap Olympics where they'd have you know graffiti, you know break dancing, beatboxing, record scratching, and and have those two duke it out. Yes, John yeah, like an Iron Man triathlon-y kind of thing. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. And as much as you love the llamas, Sammy, I wish Daniel Green had done a breakdancing film. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, to me, Lam- I mean, I like Daniel Green more, but to me, Lamas and Green, their careers are very similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. Except Lamas, of course, has worked a lot more, but they're very similar in the way they tried to sell the guys and stuff. As a matter of fact, I just looked through here. Lamas has got 74 credits as an actor, so that's quite... Oh, yeah, so there's something there, man. There's quite no a bit of material. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of bad things in there, too. Like, I was just looking at a <laughs> film where he made with Mr. Cal called uh, 13 Dead Men. Oh, that's is that like a that sounds like a like a bad hip hop western or something. Yeah. It's like <laughs> shake your ass, show me what you got. Uh. Oh man, that would be bad. <laughs> bad news bears. Yeah, um, bad. <laughs> I love speaking of bad news bears. I love the uh, the black dude with like the really thin dreads that are th- really thin braids that wears the fucking Pee Wee Herman tux, and he's supposed to be like the baller on the scene. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, I got it backwards, I guess. But, what about uh, what what about that fucking dude in the pilot shirt when they do that first dancing thing? That kind of chubby uh, dude? Oh, you mean the Sammo Hung of breakdancers? <laughs> <the air crew? laughs> yeah. What is with that guy? Yeah, that guy's I just don't, he, He's not that talented a dancer, but clearly had a lot of energy, you know? I just yeah. And he pops up at the end, too. Yeah, that yeah, guy yeah. Shows yeah. He's he's the guy that the, they, they had to justify having him on the scene in the scene. You know, he was the nacho eater. Evidently, he, he was uh, he was he was interesting. Man, he pops in. I'm like, whoa, this guy's got a lot of enthusiasm. <laughs> oh yeah, oh he did, man. He had a lot of energy. I like the Sam Hung. That's that's a great. <laughs> he is the Sam Hung of their crew, man. It's uh, <laughs> I do want to say though, there is some really great breakdancing. This particularly from Magic, the young guy. I mean, you could tell they obviously had some people who were entrenched in that right. culture in that scene. There were some really fucking talented people. Uh-huh. And Magic, you know? yeah, uh, and then Ma- there was Lamas. Yeah, and then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then and then the Magic's brother and his crew are all from a fucking post-apocalyptic movie directed by Italians too. You know, it's like <laughs> or, or they look like they look like fucking. Um, was it Force MDs or Full Force? <laughs> yeah. And there's <laughs> scenes there's scenes where they're just pumping their fist on tables and shit, you know? It's like in unison. I'm like, yeah, look. And they're breaking <laughs> shit, yeah. I'm like, look, if you, if you guys are so cool that you can't even talk, surely you're not going to pump your fist, even if your little brother's dancing, you know? Those dudes were like the extras in like the Cool Mo D Wild Wild West video. Like, they were in the back, <laughs> bossy, like, just looking fierce. Like, that was their thing, man. Um well, see, that's the thing. I'll, I'll say this note now because Roop just brought it up. You said, you know, there's some talented people in the film, and, and Roop said, you know, and then there's Lorenzo Lamas. This is true. This is this is the central conceit of the movie. Okay, the central conceit of the movie is, is that Ray Sharkey wants to hire Chili and not the rest of his crew. Now, so you you have to swallow that because Lamas is the least talented motherfucker in the movie as far as what he's supposed to be doing. Now, he, he might have more charisma than a lot of the other actors, but he doesn't have any of the talent of any of the other people in the movie. So you have to swallow a pretty big pill to to get into this film in some ways. There are yeah. several there are several horse pills to be swallowed in this film, it should be said. Yeah, I mean he he I mean speaking of triathlons, I mean he does run 
he, he tries to show the dance. He sings his own song at one point in the movie. I mean, he fails on a lot of levels <laughs> in a big way. And amazingly, that song not only fails on one level, but it also fails on another level in that it was co-written by Michael Cimbello, who wrote the Maniac song from Flashdance. Oh, my God. I did not know that. That's amazing. <laughs> so he was He's sort of like the modern-day Gene Kelly. I mean, he's a triple threat in this, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He is. I was just looking for, for him to be dancing with a cartoon character, and it would have been all on you. Know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> maybe that um, uh, Maybe that urban cat from the Paul Abdul video. You totally oh, took the fucking line out of my mouth, man. That's, that's a great callback. <laughs> if there was ever, ever a line proclaimed in a film that was made for the GGTMC, I challenge either one of you to argue that this next line I'm about to read is not GGTMC to its core. I'm telling you, man, if we had management, we'd be riding around in limos, wearing leather pants, buying condos. Can I eat this roast beef? <laughs> Can I eat this roast beef? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You know, you know that great moment with the roast beef, too, is that she comes into the kitchen looking for roast beef because she's hungry. Oh, where's all the roast beef? <laughs> and he's acting, you know, he pulls this double take where he tries to chew it really fast. It's fucking hilarious, man. Yeah, that was damn funny. I have to agree. Oh man! Uh, and then there's one point when he looks like one of the fucking brothers from Double Dragon. He's got like the red sleeve of the shirt on, and you know, it's like I'm expecting some green bald hulking man with a, a Raleigh fingers mustache to come out and throw a boulder yeah. at him. You know, you know, <laughs> Bobo. You know when, yeah. uh, when, uh, oh, when, uh, yeah. when, uh, yeah, I'm a Double Dragon guy from way back. Uh, <laughs> me and my brother, man, we love the Double Dragon. The uh. The, uh, the 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 picture I posted on my Facebook that totally when I posted that it's so funny you mentioned that when I posted that I totally thought they could should have made a double dragon movie with Lorenzo Lamas and Cameron Dye man oh yeah absolutely <laughs> man absolutely my next one is very simple half shirts check <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're they're spink, sprinkled generously like Parmesan and a Caesar throughout this film yeah yeah they're, 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 there's just enough there to appreciate a lot of a lot of a lot of fingerless gloves too. A lot, a lot of, but there's even some great ones that zip up. Oh yeah, yeah, those are the best. The ones that zip. The leather Is there ones a zip, zip up half shirt. No, no, no sadly, there's oh, no. Okay. <laughs> you got, it, you got me excited there. No, the, the, the zip up leather fingerless gloves. Yeah, nice. there's actually a close up at one point where they show him zipping up both of them right before a big dance or something like that. Yeah, he's, he's, oh, he's, right, he's, it, was, that. it was like the Rambo kid up, but he's like <laughs> yeah. zipping up this leather fingerless glove. I love when Chili D when he meets Ray Sharkey's character and he goes in and he says, "I'm Chili Chili D," and that's D isn't deadly. <laughs> this guy just he he just he yeah. job interviews not his strongest suit. <laughs> and I'm thinking that Ray Sharkey's like D is in dork. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Yeah. And that's saying a lot, too, because Ray Sharkey, unfortunately, Ray Sharkey's a good actor, or was a good actor, uh, who played, he, he could have been like the Henry Silva of the 80s, if Henry Silva wasn't still around in the 80s, but he, he always had the worst hair in every movie. Oh, his hair is terrible in this. It's like flying out the back over his... Yeah. Uh, it's, like, it's like this duck, that duck hairdo, like a little <laughs> ducktail thing going on there. Yeah, it almost made me not recognize him at first because it looks so bad. I was, is that? Oh my god! You know, kind of thing. And that scene, it should be said, has the most opportune phone call in a failed business proposal in the history of cinema. <laughs> Dude, that is the most expository phone call I've ever heard in a movie. It's the best. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I love those moments. I love in films when they got to they got to move something along and they move it along with something like that. It always makes me smile. It's like, come on, you couldn't come up with something better than that. 
And they're like repeating the dialogue that the other person on the other end is saying, just so you don't miss anything, as if it's not obvious enough. What's know? that, Jimmy? We need to open a club with breakdancers and MCs. <laughs> I don't know anyone that can do this. And we need a DJ. And you and see, you see, Chili in the background just crack a little smile, like, "Yeah, baby, you gonna eat that roast beef?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. No, it was great. Um, and I want a moving GIF of Chili at Times Square. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That was fantastic, man. I do got to say, man, I love how they shot a lot of that stuff right downtown with the buildings. They shot it real low. Mm-hmm. Like, those buildings really loomed, man. Like, it, I yeah. thought that looked pretty good, man. I, New York just being New York, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I really like that. And uh, I was telling Will off the air, Rupin, I'm sure you noticed this too, but you can tell this movie was probably shot without permits because there's so many moments where they're walking down the street and they're filming. You can see everybody behind them is looking at them like they're crazy. And, yeah, yeah, I definitely noticed that now that you mentioned it. And now that I think about it, I don't know if it might have been so much that somebody saw a movie camera and everybody's like, oh, look, they're shooting a movie. It might have just been the way that everybody was dressed because they really stand <laughs> they really stand out in this movie. I mean, there's that scene where him and Cameron Dyer are walking down the street, and you look at everybody else around them, and everybody else around them is looking. You know, it's, it's one of those moments where you think, wow, the fashion really didn't work out that well for these guys because – they really stand out like a sore thumb. You would think they would have put some more people in the background with at least some similarity, but they really stand out, man. I mean, it's like, it really is almost like that post-apocalyptic vibe. It's like they were finding shit to put on these guys, you know? It's really weird to yeah, me because everybody's looking at them like, what the fuck is wrong with these two dudes? <laughs> like, is that yeah, Lorenzo, no Lorenzo kidding, Lamas? <laughs> yeah. No, I know. It is good, man. Uh <laughs> I got to say, we've been talking about this. I genuinely felt embarrassed for Lamas in a few scenes. Oh, no. Like, I, just, I just flat out felt embarrassed. Like, yeah. I got, like, the, like chills for how embarrassed I was for him. Yeah. The thing about doing this film was it's it's fun to talk about. And, and I had seen this film a long time ago. And one of the reasons why I'll go ahead and say this, I brought this up, is because of the Destroy All Movies book. Uh, That's right. I was thumbing oh, is through it in there? It. Yeah, yeah. I was thumbing through it. And... Uh, you know, I think Zach Carlson actually himself does the review of Body Rocket. It's pretty funny, actually. It's a pretty hilarious review he does in the book. And uh, I was like, wow, you know, this totally sounds like GGTMC. And, you know, Lamas, when I say that, you know, what I said earlier about bragging about him, that's because I like a lot of the low-budget action movies he makes. The other stuff he does where he tries to branch out, <laughs> where he tries to branch into some uh, different type of material like this uh, is, is, is embarrassing. It really is. I mean, there are moments in this film that I was more embarrassed for him than I've been for any actor ever. <laughs> so I have oh, to yeah, agree no, with no, it's true, man. There's times where it really is amongst the most um, embarrassing things I've ever seen an actor commit to film. And I told you... Yeah, I mean, it, I, sorry, well, sorry, Will, uh, sorry, Rupert. I, I wanted to say that I told Will off the air that it would think at this point that Lamas has got some... He's probably got a little bit of money. You would think he'd probably try to buy this film up and make it disappear at this point, you know? I just wonder uh, if he's not embarrassed about it. You know, like he doesn't see it somehow. I mean, I'm sure he's a little bit, but like, I don't well, know. He just seems like a guy who's a little bit out of touch. You know, maybe still is. Well, you yeah, know what I mean? Look at the cover of the Renegade box set, and that'll tell you everything you need oh, to know. Yeah. <laughs> he is out of touch. <laughs> yeah, One, but no, I mean, there's it's it's like you know they do a lot of creative editing in this, though, but they really hang him out to dry in a lot of scenes where they let him dance a little too much or show yeah. a little too. <laughs> I'm just like, come on, really? You know, you're going to cut around him anyway. Why don't we just not, don't hang the dude out to dry. You know? Yeah, yeah they do. They, they do expose him in a few spots, man. But, you know, I mean, we get, it, at least that, that opens us up to having a shirtless fist pump from Lama. 
<laughs> Amongst other things, there's a lot of treats to be had in this. It's like an Easter egg hunt of embarrassment. No, it's hugely, I should say, in all the critiques I'm making, it's hugely entertaining. There, oh, there's yeah. No, there's no two ways about it. Yeah, this uh, – I, I, now, here's another serious note because I got to sprinkle them in every now and then. Uh, if anyone – I'm a humongous, humongous Daft Punk fan. Um, and I got to say, man, there's a, there's a fantastic scene – because Chili's like the you know the main guy at this club that they open up, and he's you know he has a ear on the street and stuff. Um, so they they have this number where it's glow in the dark skeletons and mummies and stuff. Totally, totally around the world. The Daft Punk video, even to the point where they go down the stairs. That one shot they use is totally like Daft Punk totally used it uh, and made that video uh, for it. But I do want to say that what was great about that, and it looks amazing in the film. I got to say, um, but. There's, it's it's a great scene, and I have to think that Lamas himself wrote him the bit. Like I could see him saying to the guys behind the scenes, like to Marcello, um, what was his name, Marcello Epstein. Yeah, I could see him saying, you know, Marcello, this this scene's great, man. It really pops visually, but you know what? I got to get some nunchucks up in this piece <laughs> because it, it's a mummy swinging them around wildly to the point where the camera pulls out and gives him like this hero shot, twirling them at the camera. <laughs> like it's just great. <laughs> It's one of those actor moments where it's like, look, I got to get some nunchucks up in this bitch. You know? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, now that you're talking about that, Will, I'm thinking the stuff where they hang him out to dry might have been his own ego and his own sort of collaborative process where he's like, you know, I, I want to show off. I'm I'm a talented guy. Yeah. I want to have the nunchucks. I want to have that. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I want to sing the song. I want to do my own dance moves, you, you, you know? You guys are kind of poking fun at the triple threat, but I was just looking through the trivia and his song, the song he sang for this movie, Reached number eighty four on the Billboard charts. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we should open the show with, man. Yeah, I should have opened. I should have really searched that one out, man. Actually, one of our listeners that follows me on Twitter, he was telling me that he saw this movie in the theaters and he actually owned the soundtrack at one time. (laughs) Oh wow! Wow. So right now, I am looking into possibly finding the soundtrack. So that'll be. I think we all know. There's probably a few spots we can we can hunt it down. Um. The clubs were just such ridiculous '80s excess New York clubs. Oh which yeah, was great. <clears throat> yeah, they're great. They get that kind of great uh, warehouse feel. You know, it's really strange because, like, you know, years later he would probably be shooting action movies in big spaces like that. So, man, I still got a lot on. I got to really scale these back. Um, <laughs> wow, I said that over a page. Uh, okay, so we talked about his leather house coat with graffiti sprayed on the back. There's did we, did we talk about the greatness of the scene though with the leather coat where he's got where he's walking down and he's breaking the fourth wall? Oh, I know that. Was, oh, dude, I that is that. like a commercial. That's so funny. Because <laughs> he says he points his fingers. He goes, "All you need is management." <laughs> dude, I was I was wrestling with that maybe being my make or break. I really thought that was hilarious. It was totally. I thought he was going to break into some kind of an ad because it really felt like a commercial. Because who was he talking to? It's like random people, and then you know. Wow, oh, it's great. Found yeah, found, found the great found the soundtrack to Body Rock, but uh, doesn't look like it's going to work out. So, anyway, go 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 ahead. Yeah, but there's a lot of Folgers love in this. Uh, I've <laughs> noticed Folgers comes up a few times, which is kind of bizarre. Folgers is is usually dry and burnt coffee, but anyway, um, yeah. Ryan yeah, doesn't Stone, he call out a, a cup of Folgers at one point? Yeah, I could really use a cup of Folgers. I could really use a cup of Folgers, and he is he is he rocks his half shirt and smokes a spliff. <laughs> Clearly the winning trinity in any man's day. Um, you know, just fantastic stuff. Um, he, uh, rhinestones, leather vest, dangly earrings, chain mail, guitar hot licks, geisha girls. What more do we need in life? I mean, it's just 
I can't throw enough superlatives at this. There's a cruise in leather bar that gets thrown in. That subplot is fucking. <laughs> I just it didn't make any sense. Like, well, not much of it does. What am I even getting saying here? But uh, I'll tell you, we t- I, I kind of blew the note by saying about Rene Elizondo. But I I kept I kept wanting. I thought he was going to break the fourth wall and and look at us at the camera. And go, who is Johnny? <laughs> you look like dude. Look like the barge man. Yeah, you really um, did. Totally, totally I agree with that. Um, you know, because the, the skinny Puerto Rican guys back then always rock the mustache and that like that flat like uh, cowboy hat, man. They always rock that. Um, mm. I, I would, I would feel. See, the thing with Lamas's character is a whole rise and fall. It's hard to feel bad for Lamas because he's such an arrogant idiot. <laughs> like, I, there's no point when I feel bad for him yeah. ever. Yeah, and every time, every time he, he every every time he walks, like five seconds, every five seconds he walks, he flips up his collar. I think that might be totally where you get the whole second rate John Travolta because he really does the whole John Travolta. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Danny Zuko type thing in this movie like a thousand fucking times. Yeah, there was a, my wife, who's a big Grease fan, by the way, Rick, which I know you'll be pleased with, um, called out, there was a there was a Grease reference at one point in the movie. God, what the hell was it? It was like they referred to a song title or they referred to something. Um, damn it, I got to ask her about it. I, I forgot to take the note. But I, I, I totally thought of you, Rick, when it, when it happened because my wife... Loves Greece, and we were both feeling the Travolta vibe. And then at one point, somebody said something. Right. Yeah. That, I don't. Anyway, that's a, sorry. That's a great call, Rupa. I, I never thought of that till you said it. The second rate Travolta thing, but uh, it's really <laughs> on display here. Just three more very quick things. The Chinese dude from Daddy that that um, <laughs> that um, Bruce Leroy Leroy Green goes to see that they're all break dancing and shit outside of uh, of uh, some young guy. No, no. Um, the the fortune cookie place where he goes. Some dumb guy. Um, when he goes to get the fortune cookies and he has to impersonate a pizza man that, you know, you remember that scene? Yeah. Yeah. When he goes, yeah. Hey man, what it looked like <laughs> that Chinese dude pops up again in this scene. There's a scene when he popped up in this man. That guy always was like an extra in New York films scene back then. Um, I love, uh, the line that I want to hear Lama sing this line when he said, but I think the, the stupid white coog sings it when she says, you got a hole in your pocket and that's where you keep your rocket and it shows how in your walk. Oh so, my God. Yeah, that was fantastic stuff. And uh, there's the clap. We get the clap in this film. The clap from the crowd is amazing. And uh, and Lamas channels his inner Cyrus because he picks up the mic. And I'm telling you, man, totally channels inner Cyrus. He goes, can you dig it? When he first grabs the mic. Yeah. So Anyway, those are all my notes. I got to put my rocket back in my pocket. What are you going to talk about? <laughs> I'll let Rube talk about it a little bit. I'm actually looking here at uh, some of the trivia for Lamas that I didn't know about, that he has a tattoo of a woman riding a unicorn on his upper back shoulder. No, no, Whoa. you're lying when you say that. Whoa. Yeah, he says, it's, not- he says it's a dedication to his father's two favorite things, women and horses. Oh, wow. That, 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 that doesn't surprise me. That's just too perfect for him to have a woman riding a unicorn tattooed on his back. I hate to tell him wow. that a unicorn isn't actually a horse, but either way. See, that's what I mean. The dude is out of touch. That's brilliant. I love it. Well, his, the personal quote, the first personal quote on his IMD page is, my mission in life was to make sure that there were no women walking around who didn't know me personally. That, that is nice. so Lorenzo Lamas. Well, I mean, that segues right into one of my notes, which is uh, Lamas love scene, ew. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. My wife and I both were like, "Oh, this is just he's there's something really sleazy about the way he goes about 
you know, <laughs> love scenes, you know, and he had the shirts off almost right away. And he's, <laughs> he's grabbing at the girl. I just, I don't know. I mean, my wife was appalled a couple times this week because we watched jury duty. Like I said, and there's a scene where it's a male strip club. And my wife was saying to herself out loud, she was like, please don't let it be Pauly Shore. Cause we saw a stripper coming out. She's like, please don't let it be Pauly Shore. Please don't let it be Pauly Shore. And it was, and we we're both really appalled by that. This was the second most appalling thing. <laughs> After that, uh, this love scene. Just nice. really not nice. sexy. Just I don't know. He's just too big and hulking, and I just don't. I mean, I guess I see the appeal of the guy, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's kind of, he, for some women, I think he's got that beefcake thing. And, of course, I think some women, especially like my mother who was, you know, in, in the 80s when Falcon Chris was on, my mom watched Falcon Chris like crazy. Uh, you know, Lamas was in all every episode of Falcon Crest, every episode ever made. There was 227 episodes of Falcon Crest. Oh my God, wow. that is a juggernaut of a show. I know, I, I know, my mom watched Knots Landing, and I think she watched Falcon Crest too, so she may recognize him. So my mom and dad, my dad actually watched it too, but I don't think my dad always made fun of Lorenzo Lamas. You know, he was like, he was like, oh, here comes the beefcake. You know, he used to always say that and stuff. <laughs> he is totally that kind of beefcake character. Which reminds me that the character of Beef from Porky's is actually the actor that played him was in this movie. Oh, nice. <laughs> he played the door guy, that big hulking door guy at one point, the elevator that would come down. That was uh, the. Oh, that the, guy's in uh, The Wanderers, too. He's yeah. great in The Wanderers. Yeah. I, I love that dude. <laughs> yeah. um, that's a great movie, a GGTMC movie, if I've ever yes, seen one. It's, it's on our roadmap, I think, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's great. It is. Yeah. Um, I noticed right away when we were talking about the intro. Um, you know, the tone being set and, and Will, you're saying if you, if you don't know what you're in for, definitely not an art house movie, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Robbie Mueller, the DP, um, is Jim Jarmusch's guy. And he's no done a way. Ton, yeah, he's done a ton of Jarmusch movies. And so right away I was like, Robbie Mueller shot this? What the? This is just crazy, man. Oh, wow. Hey, man, yeah, trying, everybody, everybody's got to eat, brother. Yeah. No, that's right. Well, wow, Mueller goes way back. He's he's back in the seventies. He he worked with Vim Vendors, Alice in the Cities. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Vendors, American Friend. He shot Kings of the Road. This is, it's his second so appearance second. on the show. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say after American Friend. Um, yeah, this is a great filmography out actually, but this is such an odd. So he goes uh, Saint Jack, which is one of my favorite Bogdanovich films. Honeysuckle Rose. They all laughed. Um, and then a bunch of sh- crappy repo. Oh, third, he did uh, uh, Paris, Texas. Oh, nice. so, wow. Hey, repo Man, Paris, Texas. <clears throat> uh, he's obviously- One of these things <laughs> is not like the other. I can, yeah, imagine, I just- I can imagine the conversation he had with Vim Vendors after he showed up on the Paris, Texas set talking about <laughs> he had to shot this movie called Body Rock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's listed in 84 shooting. Like four movies, Repo Man, Paris, Texas, and Body Rock are all in '84. <laughs> I mean, they came out in '84. Wow, that's crazy. That is nuts. I don't know. Anyway, that was funny to me. Um, what did I, let's see here. I, I, I said Ray, Ray Sharkey is the hip exec who wears an earring. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ray, Ray Sharkey always found a way to wear an earring, brother. He he was one of these guys, man. He always had found a way to wear an earring. He could have been playing. He could have been playing. I don't know. Fucking uh, uh, an actual submarine, and the submarine would have had an earring on, you know. <laughs> it would have, yeah, spun as an anchor somehow on a sub. Yeah, yeah. If he was like, if he was like popular during the animated boom of the eighties and nineties, and Ray Sharkey was playing a character, that character would have an earring too, you know, because Ray would be like, "Hey, dude, I need an earring. Make sure you oh, get that earring." Yeah. In there. I can, I cannot think of Ray Sharkey without an earring. As a matter of fact, yeah, I'm trying to remember if in the Idol Maker, I think he had one. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, uh, you know what? I don't know. Will covered so much great stuff. I don't. I love Cameron Die. Let me just say that I'm a huge Valley Girl fan. That's another mm-hmm. maybe top fifty movie for me. Uh, my wife and I just have a certain connection to that. So when I see Cameron Die in a movie, I'm immediately sort of on board a little bit. Um, and he's a really great, you know, sidekick character to Lamas. I think he elevates the movie for me. Yeah, I mean, he's not like the greatest actor ever. He's just kind of a good sidekicky kind of guy. He's great in Valley Girl as that character, and it's a similar similar character in this movie, but he's a little more uh, justifiably self righteous. Yeah, uh, you know. But it was funny because I was tweeting about watching the movie, and somebody pointed out there's a great Cameron Die movie on uh, Netflix Instant called Scenes from the Gold Mine, and I don't know if you guys have seen this one. No, I haven't. That sounds like an interesting title. You gotta hear this cast, Rick. Have you heard of this one? No, but I'm looking at the cast right now. The cast is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, listen to this: Catherine Mary Stewart, Cameron Dye, Steve Railsback, Alex Rocco, oh, uh, wow. Pamela Springsteen. It's directed by somebody named Mark Rocco, so I don't know if that's a relation to Alex, son, you know, brother, whatever. But it's on Netflix Instant right now. I plan to watch this soon. I thought I'd seen all the Catherine Mary Stewart that was out there. So, um, well, I was looking Catherine for a plot Cameron synopsis, but there's no plot synopsis anywhere. But I mean, uh, well, it's got it's got uh, a character with a le- leather uh, outfit on with a guitar in her hand, so I'm down. Yeah, on, on instant they've got. Here's listen to this. It's uh, Debbie D'Angelo, uh, Catherine Mary Stewart is a talented keyboardist and songwriter who hopes to make it big in the new wave music scene. All seems to be going well when she joins the band uh, of hot singer Niles Dresden, Cameron Die, but his ruthless ambition taints their affair. Debbie also tries to mend her rocky relationship with her father, Nick, Alex Rocco, but her self-esteem takes another beating when she learns that Niles is stealing her songs. Wow. So uh, oh, wow. anyway, that, 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 this movie definitely turned me out of that movie, which is another plus for me. Uh, any, anything that'll turn me on to a new Catherine Mary Stewart movie that I've never heard of, i got to give huge props. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, But I, you know, this is a really entertaining movie. That, that glow-in-the-dark... Um, uh, dance scene I, that's such a great call well with the you know the um daft punk influence i mean uh it's it's definitely there you know I like think how could they not how could they I, not honestly like it's too specific for it not to have been yeah this just seems like i mean i don't know those guys i don't know their cinematic taste or anything but this seems like the kind of movie that they would have sought out or come across at some point you know oh, totally they love the 80s synth and that 80s Excellent. electro kind of uh Again, the Africa Bambada stuff and all that old school hip hop. Of course, the, the the had to be. Yeah. No. I mean, did we did we specifically describe uh, Lamas's outfit in the job interview? Because it's what it's the bandana, cut off jean jacket, shirt open. <laughs> yeah, you know, shag that, rug. He's doing his best, Andy Garcia. And the, and, we, just, and we like, must be said these bandanas aren't like you know like South Central LA bandanas. These are the. Uh, the rope bandanas, maybe more like the aerobic type bandana yeah, look. Totally yes. more aerobic. <laughs> yes, he could walk right into the Heavenly Bodies uh, club <laughs> yeah. and work out. That That's a film. He should have been in a fitness film, man. He would be right at home in one. Yeah. Dude, you're not kidding, man. Now I'm kind of feeling sad. Yeah. That doesn't out there. Um, anyway, Again, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say it. I, I said it before. Nobody knew how to use him correctly. That's the problem. That's I think right. Lamas. <laughs> you know, they the just movies. they didn't know what they had there, man. <laughs> I'm going to defer to you, Rick. I don't really have a lot of other notes on this one. All right. Um, I was just looking through Cameron Dye's filmography to see how much Cameron Dye I've seen. I forgot he was in The Last Starfighter. I don't know how I forgot that, but he is in that. I mean, oh, I forgot that, too. That's awesome. Yeah. Captain Mary Stewart connects. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, I got only got a few things to add because I went over a couple things that while we was talking. Uh, I did put down here, one of my notes was, Lamas has less soul and rhythm than anyone in capital letters I have ever seen on screen. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just really the most, it's really bad. And that scene in in uh, Times Square is really a great example. I mean, I really, really, that was one of those moments where I really felt bad for him. <laughs> I really felt like, oh, my God, man, how, you know, and, and there's this moment where you feel, like, embarrassed for him. But at the same time, you're like, you know, this guy's really brave because it's obvious that he doesn't know how to dance. And yet he's going to try to do this anyway. And you would think, I think a more talented director would have said, look, you know, we're going to cut away from you and just shoot like like, like a torso of somebody that can dance <laughs> that's similar to you yeah. and then cut back to you. Maybe you can do a couple moves okay and we'll cut back to those. And But unfortunately, he can only do maybe uh, maybe one or two moves that are okay and it's really, it really is kind of painful to watch. And uh, so that, you know, I mean, but but again, I think that's the reason why you watch this film, right? You watch it for the morbid curiosity of watching Lorenzo Lamas breakdance. So, you know, I think it's one of the reasons why. And the film, and that scene also times one of my notes. I mean, this is one of the worst. It's it's a montage training sequence, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's one of those yeah. montage training sequences, but this one's really bad. It's it's really bad. I mean, you know, there's some, you know, uh, they make sure to get a lot of scenes of Lamas sweating, which oh, yeah. uh, made me uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, same here. Because I'm watching this dude sweat a lot. Uh, it, it really just got crazy. Uh, let's see here. The film makes me glad that, you know, Lamas uh, typically does bad action movies. Uh, you know, I mean, this this is one of those great examples where, you know, he doesn't need to really kind of go out of his comfort zone because it's it's really, it's really, really uncomfortable. I think it's uncomfortable for everybody because I, I just feel like, you know, he, he never got quite right. And, the, and that goes with that about that 45-minute end scene where he does, starts breaking the fourth wall. It just never really works. I mean, like if if that would have been John Travolta, John Travolta has enough charisma where he could turn and face the camera and do the walk thing. I think about John Travolta playing another Chili. Actually, this is really fucking weird. All the all the connections Chili to John Palmer, Tra- yeah, Chili Palmer. <laughs> all the connections yep. to John Travolta, man. But uh, I think about him playing Chili Palmer, and there's that great scene in Get Shorty where the camera is on the car, and and then he gets out of the car and he's walking toward the house, and John Travolta's got a great walk. Okay, he's got this great walk. I mean, it's, it's he's had the great walk since uh, Saturday Night Fever or whatever. But he's got this certain kind of breezy walk that he uses that always works for him for some reason. And he can really move for an Italian white guy, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, he totally could. You know, I, you talk about Travolta, and that's the last note I'll say on it. I might have had the can you dig it thing all wrong because it could be Italian again to Travolta because I think, is it an either in... Saturday Night Fever or in Greece when he was, can you dig it? I knew that you could. Was it him and Kanicki or what was no, it, that? Yeah, it's Greece. It's Greece. It's Greece. So there <laughs> you go, man. Can Another you dig, one. Can you dig it? I knew that you could. It's so yeah. hard not to tie this movie to, I mean, maybe I'm I'm really running with the Saturday Night Fever thing too much, but there's clubs, a guy, you know. He's got the I, I introduction, like a, a Saturday Night Fever, when he walks in the club, he kisses a girl. Who is that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't I'm know. digging too deep on the Travolta. But, and the way that he moves, you were totally right, Rick. He, I feel like he wants to be, like he saw Saturday Night Fever and said, I can walk and move and be cool like that. Well, but I he's mean, not. He probably did get a little bit of envy, because you got to remember, he was in Greece with Travolta so he yeah that's he, the thing yeah that's what we were that's what we were he, talking about yeah. he probably yeah. saw a similarity in his career because you know Travolta when he was young he's a very good looking guy uh and you know Travolta went through a stage two of these weird well the weirdest one that he, he kind of reminds me of Lamas in is of course the Stallone directed sequel to Saturday Night Fever where Travolta's fucking ripped 
And he he looks a little bit like Llamas, actually. It's very strange. And actually, he wears a fucking bandana like Llamas does in Body Rock. <laughs> yeah, dude, there's definitely something there. There's yeah. definitely some kind of competitive something so, going on. So you're, I think you might have nailed it perfectly when you said he's like the lesser, you know, he's like the he's like the C grade. Yeah, he's the poor man's John Travolta. He really is. So. I mean, isn't he the one that? And and you'll you'll correct me if I'm wrong, Rick. But doesn't Olivia Newton-John dump? The, isn't he the preppy guy that she's dating yeah. in place of Travolta? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't even really look like Lamas unless you look really closely. It was before he. No, I totally changing. forgot it was him because it yeah. doesn't. Right. But he's pretty funny in it, actually, <laughs> playing a goofy jock kind of character. But uh, yeah, anyway, you the, the, you really got to buy all of this stuff to make it work. And again, we're talking about it semi-serious, but at the same time, I mean, to critique it seriously, it's not a good movie. Okay, no. but. It's like rapping, you know. It 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 it's got its own little place. Uh, Breakdancing didn't have a lot of great movies. I mean, there's a few fun things that Breaking Breaking One and Breaking Two do, and and there's Crush some others. Yeah, Crush Groove's kind of fun, even though Crush Groove I would say more is like a hip hop than a breakdance movie. It's kind of a yeah, but still under that umbrella of that yeah, culture. Yeah, so yeah, you're right. In those like early '80s films and stuff, and and there's a whole yeah yeah there's a whole subculture of those films. Actually, I've talked about doing a, a trilogy GGTMC before of like Crush Groove, Beach Street, and. And there was another one, but I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But you know totally those, down. yeah, those films because you know Breaking One and Breaking Two would obviously be a double deuce. But uh, either way, uh, you, you got to buy that, okay? So it's it, it is if you buy that, and you're right. When I was watching this film, I was totally thinking of Emily because this totally sounds like something she would be into because rapping also had those moments where you just felt like Mario Van Peebles was like so uncomfortable and and really embarrassing for him at moments that it was like, ugh. I don't know what happened. And Mario Van Peebles has always been like, he's always the lesser, I don't know. I guess he would be like the lesser Denzel Washington, or the, which is funny because he's actually popular before Denzel. But I think Mario Van Peebles is talented. I just think he's more talented behind the camera than in front of it. So, Or well, he doesn't, has never really worked with the right material. I think he's a, he's a serviceable actor. He was great in, uh, in Badass. Yeah, yeah, he's a good actor. It's, it's another situation where I think, you know, wrong people. You know, wrong time, bad timing, things like that. So, so I don't yeah, really have. No, it's funny. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was I was gonna say, in relation to rapping and Emily and everything, like I actually, <clears throat> I think I enjoyed Body Rock better than rapping because of the embarrassment factor. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, because I think because of what you're saying, because uh, Van Peebles is a better actor. He's struggling, but he really does a better job mm-hmm. with the little that he's given in rapping and. And it just isn't as embarrassing, so the entertainment value goes down a little bit. And 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 it doesn't feel as much of a vanity project or self-indulgent, and he doesn't get hung out to dry as much as Lorenzo Lamas does. Yeah, I mean, it's a rare case when you have an actor that is so oblivious to what's going on that they don't realize how embarrassing it's going to be at the end of the day. You know well, also, I mean? Rappin has that strength of actually kind of taking on the Robin Hood myth. I mean, he's rapping Hood, right? So <laughs> Rapping John B. Hood. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, they, they kind of take on the, the myth of that, and so I think people can identify with the guy trying to make good for his people, whereas in Body Rock, Lamas is, you know... Sells motherfuckers out faster than you can blink. Yeah, he just Faster than to... you can change a sleeveless shirt. <laughs> I was going to say, didn't Rappin get uh, nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay that year? Because, I mean, I think clearly... Source material existing prior. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. But uh, yeah, so I don't really have a whole lot more notes. I'll go ahead and kick it over to. Uh, I could talk about this thing for hours because it's making fun of it. But I'll oh, go I had the page of notes I crossed out. <laughs> yeah. I could. Uh, My grade just, just went up a quarter point just talking about it. So. Yeah. So I'll kick it over to Will for MVTs and make or breaks. 
All right, make or break the glow in the dark scene, man. I could pick a. Uh, there is embarrassment of riches, an embarrassment of riches of embarrassment <laughs> in this film yeah. uh, that I could choose from. But I really like this. I mean, it popped for me visually, and because like, I'm a big Daft Punk guy, it was those cool little bar stool trivia things. Now I'm going to throw at people. Um, not that I sit on very many bar stools anymore, but uh, <laughs> don't sit on any. It's if anything, it's my, my couch at home. That's where I sit, or in my car. Um, uh. But. Uh, yeah, my the MVT is the uh, what does this say? the garish ridiculous time capsuleness of it. Yeah, nice. Um, I could have went with the llama's vanity, but just the <laughs> overall. I, I love really, really blown out, uh, ridiculous garish um, aesthetics in films. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like like Intrepidos Punks and you know uh and this you know just i love that um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's the most valuable thing for me man i gotta be honest i fucking had a lot of fun with this film and it by all measures it's a terrible film it's one of the worst it might be the worst written film we've ever reviewed on this show and that's saying something yeah, yeah. no it's it's, but, it's an awful movie but i can't wait to hear your score <laughs> 7.5. Wow. Same as my bodyguard. Yeah. I, but no, no. Hey, listen, no. My bodyguard is is a, is a much, much better film. Please don't. No, dude. That's no, totally cool. We've talked about this before. You guys have talked about it. No, it's on its own merits. It totally makes sense. It's a good grade. It, it makes sense, man. <laughs> yeah, nominated for two Razzies, this film. Worst actor and worst original song. This one should have spent nice. the fucking Razzies. <laughs> Uh, but that's okay. I love the Razzie. So, well, I mean, uh, Roop, what's your uh, make or break MVT score? Um, I love the opening. I, I think the make or break for me is the opening because it just, like we talked about, it kicks it off. It lets you know what you're in for, and you're either on board or you're not. And my wife and I were both on board <laughs> right after that scene, you know. It gets your attention. Yeah. Um, you, you feel like those people on the sidewalk that are just watching those people, and you see them. <laughs> What the hell is this? I kept thinking you know? if I was in a car and somebody was doing that in front of me, I was like, I'd be honking my horn trying to run over the bastards. I'd be like, get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> what the fuck's wrong yeah, with when you? they let him, you know, scoot across the crosswalk in line, I, I, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody didn't try to mow him down. <laughs> um, MVT, I, I think the dancing and the songs in the movie, mm -hmm. they're all so terrible, but, you know, hugely entertaining, I yeah. have to say. Yeah. Um, my score was a 6.75, but I'm going to push it up to a straight 7. Uh, yeah. it's it's just it's a really it's a really entertaining movie you know it's it's worth it's worth a look for sure yeah and i think the key is, is that the film is not long i mean it's only 93 minutes and it's it's kind of fun and i think that's that that's kind of where it, it's one of those movies where you kind of bring people around and you're like dude you got to see body rock it's just ridiculous and you know <laughs> And somebody's like, oh, okay. But it doesn't have a, like a laugh a minute. It's not like a, that kind of bad movie, but it is one of those kind of movies where you're like, it's a totally, it's a what the fuck movie. It's like, why was this movie made? How was this made? And, and, and what the hell? I mean, and you know, Chuck Russell uh, helped produce this damn thing. So No way. I missed that. <laughs> so It's so bizarre to me. But anyway, uh, my make or break, I'm going to go with the glow in the dark scene too. And basically it just comes down to the fact that it's just the most original looking scene in the movie. Yeah. Uh, it really is the standout moment in the movie, isn't it? I mean, there's really nothing else that really stands out, stands out. I mean, there's a lot of really great moments. That roast beef scene is pretty great because it's just so fucking ridiculous, you know? And uh, Well, it's, it stands out so much. My wife and I both were like, when it ended, we're like, was that a dream sequence? What the hell? <laughs> yeah. What happened there? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it doesn't even feel like... Coma? Yeah, it doesn't even feel like it belongs in the movie almost. It's so It stands out so much. So, yeah. you know... I think Marcello Epstein might be like great in small bursts. Maybe that's why he stuck to music videos afterwards. So, yeah. uh, my MVT, I'm going to go with the the aesthetic as well. I mean, I really, of course, this does bring back, uh, 
you know, I'm not gonna lie. I wore bandanas on the legs. You know, I wore the, you know, you know I, I had some fluorescent shoelaces. I'm not gonna lie. Nice. You know? Nice. So I, you know, I, I went through a phase. You know, I was only 11 years old when this film came out, so I was very impressionable. You know, didn't see this in the theater though. I needed. I, I wish I. I don't know why this one avoided me. And oddly, this movie, uh, it made it made 1.6 million dollars on 250 screens. That's what the uh, box office mojo is reporting. So I think it was only like a 600. You know, it's probably probably didn't cost that much. I would say so. I don't know. I bet it, it might have cost more than one million, one point six. But who knows? <laughs> hey, you know, we forgot to mention. This is a kind of a big oversight. Grace Zabriskie played Chili's mom. Oh yeah, I mentioned her in the beginning to to say yeah, that was about that. the other oh, character right, right. actor. But yeah, a lot of people. If you aren't familiar with Grace Zabriskie, she's on Big Love nowadays. But she's done she's a, a lot of stuff. Yeah, she's done yeah. a she's lot of Twin stuff. Peaks. She was on Twin Peaks. That was yeah. a big one. Great face, man. But, Great face. Requiem oh, for a yeah. Dream too. No. Uh, that was Ellen Bernstein. Or Bernstein. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I was mixing. I do. No, I, I get those girls confused as well. So it's not that strange that she. But she was in like Galaxy of Terror, and you've all seen her in something. Yeah, the burning. Yeah, you totally recognize. When me. I was a kid, I saw her in the Burning Bed, which was a movie that freaked me out when I was a fucking kid, man. Oh, the Farrah Fawcett movie. <laughs> yeah, the Farrah Fawcett movie, man. The domestic abuse thing. Yeah, yeah <laughs> fucking freaked me out when I was a kid, man. But she's in a lot of yeah, stuff. Can... She's in a movie I'm still trying to get through right now called The Big Easy, but Dennis Quaid movie. But, oh, that's nice. It's okay, that movie. It's, yeah. it's all right. I started it and I never um, got back to it. I got to get back to it. But uh, I was going to say, this is a stupid joke, but um, you know the, the the budget. I'm sure they slaved, saved a ton of money on sleeves. So they, yeah, they <laughs> that's true. That right about they, they didn't use <laughs> as much material, you know. So yeah, that's true. But they might have spent a lot of money on body oil for Lorenzo Lamas. So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, body rock without the body oil. My score is a little bit lower than your guys. I'm gonna give this a straight six out of ten. Uh, oh. No, 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 that's not to say I don't like it. I love it. I mean, I, I think I gave, uh, like, I've always, I always have to compare this, but, you know, I think I gave, like, Trinity, like, a six out of ten, you know, and I love Trinity. They call me What'd Trinity. What'd you give rapping? Uh, fuck, I can't even remember, man. I'd have to go back and look. Oh, all I know, curious. all I know is we've been talking about this movie for almost an hour. Wow. <laughs> and we talked about my bodyguard for, like, 35 minutes. <laughs> that, oh, that right there, folks, is GGTMC. <laughs> Yeah, that's that, that, that's only what what the show comes out to. But I, I mean, I like the film a lot. I, I could possibly go six point five. I mean, uh, but I have to give it. You know, I have to kind of rate it on some of the things it does fall apart on because it's not a very well made film. It's it's not no, edited well. Made. Yeah. No, and the plot is the plot is really straight. Like right away, you smell the rise and fall. You're like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so, so clearly going to be that, you know. Yeah, it's, but it, but it is fun. Yeah. It is fun, and uh, and I want to make sure everybody understands that. I call it a little bit above average, but it's definitely one. If people can get a hold of, I would own it, and uh, I would definitely show it to people. I'm definitely going to show it to some friends when they come by next time. It's fun for the for a certain kind of person who appreciates a certain kind of film. Exactly, exactly. So that is our thoughts on Body Rock. We're going to take a break, come back, and do a little bit of listener feedback. We'll be back right after this. What's up, kiddies? You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, the only show crazy enough to tackle the Brian Bosworth classic Stone Cold.
back from break. Uh, little black keys there for everybody. So very nice. Yes, love the black keys. So, all right, we got some listener feedback. Uh, it's funny every time we take say we're going to take a short break, we'll be right back. We just spent like twenty minutes talking about movies. You guys, if you knew what went on behind the scenes, it was just crazy. <laughs> yeah, everything from Blu-ray to Jamie Gillis. <laughs> yeah, literally. So yeah, this uh, can't help us. Out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay, uh, we got some emails, I'm sure. I'm sure yes, we, we do. I want to thank Scott from uh, Married with Clickers for my, re- sending the email of his kind of woman. So first off, thanks for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and next is from a good friend and I guess one of our great, I guess, information sources now, uh, Scandinavian, that is, uh, that being Alan. And uh, Alan says, uh, hello, gents. Listen to episode 14 at work last night. Good to hear some love for Walter Hill. Episode 114, I should say. Good to hear some love for Walter Hill. He's one of my favorite directors. His older movies were best, but I highly enjoyed Last Man Standing, and Wild Bill must be one of his most overlooked westerns from the 90s. Since you like movies with a great, great cast, I was wondering if you know Extreme Honor, the cast, Michael Ironside, Michael Madsen, Olivier Gruner, Martin Cove, Sven Oli Thorson. None of them play the lead. The lead is the amazing Dan Anderson, who, according to IMDb, only did this movie. Not a bad cast for your first and last movie. If you haven't seen it, let me warn you, there's no point waiting for a big fight between Gruner and Cove. It's sadly not going to happen. One last thing, Rick, you mentioned you like some death metal in country. I've included a song by Carcass vocalist Jeff Walker. It's from a country album he released, uh, Jeff Walker und die Flufers. Welcome to Carcass Country. Yeah. Great band name and a great album title. Enjoy. Over and out, Al. I'll uh, play that, save that email, I'll play that on the next show. I forgot to download that and put that on the show, but I was going to do that for him. Uh, yeah, it also has uh, Chuck Napier is in that film, too. Good old Napier. IMDb, uh, I was looking at it and stuff. Uh, Sven Ole Thorson, you guys know who Sven Ole Thorson is? Yeah. I know the name, I can't uh, recall right now, though. A lot of Schwarzenegger movies. Uh, he was, uh, I think he was the one, that, wasn't he the bodyguard of uh, Richard Dawson in, uh, in uh, Running Man? Yeah, that's him. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Antonio Fargus, by the way, too, is also. In. This movie looks pretty fun. It's pretty fun. <laughs> we gotta track it down. Huggy bears in it, eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah a little huggy bear action, eh? Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, thanks for the uh, email. Appreciate it. And uh, again, I'll play that song next time around. It is a pretty interesting little song. I listened to it, so good stuff. All right, I'll read the next one here from Jeff or our pal Shiftless, I should say, and his blog Shiftless and, and Shasta. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. yes, scared nice. shiftless and chest. Nice. All right. Uh, he says, hi, gents. Thanks so much for your recent Henry Silva and Charles Bronson film reviews. They have rekindled my love for both the granite-faced icons and inspired me to again dip into their extensive back catalog of movies in the past weeks. In so doing, I found an odd coincidence linking the actors. While watching a Western rape revenge film called Five Savage Men, a.k.a. The Animals, starring Silva as an Apache named Chato, I recalled seeing another Western rape revenge film with Bronson playing an Apache named Chato <laughs> with one T as opposed to two T's in the other one. This film was called Chato's Land and was directed by frequent Bronson collaborator Michael Winter. Uh, I hadn't seen it since I was a kid, so I tracked down a copy to compare and contrast with Silva's movie. Even though I'm partial to Silva in this particular case, I have to say Charlie wins the battle of the tough tits. Bronson's film is lean, mean, and gritty with a great ensemble cast that includes Jack Palance, Richard Jordan, James Whitmore, Simon Oakland, and Richard Basehart. Uh, unfortunately, Silva's film is an uneven, choppy mess with a terrible performance by Michelle Carey in the co-starring role and the worst master student training montage ever. 
<laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Both films have great 70s style final scenes, but the Bronson film is the one to watch, if for no other reason than he dons the loincloth near the end. Anyways, keep the Chuck and Henry reviews coming. They're always enjoyable. So, yeah. <clears throat> Your pal, Shiftless. So. Yeah, I've seen Chateau's Land. I like it. Uh, don't love it. It's more of a Bronson completist type film. Uh, I've never actually seen Five Savage Men, interestingly enough. Yeah, nor have yeah, I. I have, <clears throat> I have that one. I picked it up after uh, um, uh, Lars Nilsson called it out as his favorite underrated Silva movie. Oh, nice. Uh, yes. So I still need to watch it, but I have a copy of it. I forgot all about that. I forgot he mentioned that. It might be on Netflix Instant. It was at one point. I don't yeah. know if it still is. I watched uh, The Bravados from there. I gotta, nice. Oh, I want to see that, too. That's good. It's good. Silva's good in that one. Even, with, than, even, uh, even with an accent, he's good in that one. <laughs> <laughs> didn't he do one called, like, The Hills Run Red? Or yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think so. That's, a, that's, that's an Italian one, for sure. That's an Italian one, actually. It's one of the few Italian ones he actually did. Wow, Chato's Land, man. I've been wanting to see this for a while, but... I don't know if you if you're not that hot on it, Rick. Maybe I'll slow my. Uh, oh, if you pace like, up. I think it's worth a watch, man. Yeah, if you if you like Bronson, you'll like it. I think. Well, that cast is pretty compelling, and Michael Winner, you know, Mr. Yeah. Death Wish Three, among other things. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. It's it's anyway. it's good. It's just kind of weird. Oh, oh, Savannah Lee Thorson coming through. Tell me, he doesn't look like Bruce Dickinson in an Iron Maiden video in this photo. <laughs> I was kind of I'm kind of almost scared to open the photo. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, okay, uh, Will, you want to go ahead? Uh, thanks for the email, Shiftless. We'll keep going as we go along here. Will, you want to read the next one? Or? Yes, absolutely, as you admire the majesty. Um, yeah, so uh, next up is uh, an email from another one of our very good friends. Uh, and, of course, that very good friend goes by the name of... <laughs> no, as I... <laughs> <laughs> inevitably <laughs> drop the ball uh, I have a fucking shitty dean grin right now I'm too tired <laughs> are you sending something back to me? Uh, wow. no uh, I'm not no uh, I think you're looking for the next email from uh, from uh, Quint ah there it is <laughs> uh, looks like uh, who? I presume the wow was uh, for Sven yeah what movie is that? Uh, Knights of I don't know what it's called. It's called. Oh, I gotta find out. It it's looks pretty game. incredible, man. He's got the, the long, flowing Prince Valiant. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next one's from very, very good friend Quint, and Quint says, "Howdy, gents. It's been a while since I last emailed, and I was feeling like a bad listener, so I thought I'd better leave some feedback." Really quite strange. You mentioned Danny Perry's guide for the film fanatic on the last film fanatic on the last show, as I've had the book for a few years and only started reading it a few weeks ago. It's a great book, and if you enjoyed it, you should also check out his cult movie series and his cult movie stars books if you haven't already. With regards to eggs in movies, I, for one, cannot stand eggs, and the sight <laughs> of them makes me feel a bit queasy. I can't stomach seeing someone else eating them in real life or films. The egg-eating scene in Cool Hand Luke is probably the one that makes me the most sick. Maybe it's a psychological thing, but as Ali G once said, they come out of a chicken's punani. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, he must get really nauseous during airplane too, or wasn't it airplane that the, the all the eggs? I can't remember now. I swear, there's a scene where Leslie Nielsen keeps pulling eggs out of somebody's mouth. Ah, yes. That's Sven Ole Thorson. That's him from Conan, right there. Was it? Is that Conan? Wow. Yeah, he was in Conan with Arnold Schwarzenegger too. He was the other. Nice. Uh, he was the one. Uh, the other big guy toward the back end of the film. Nice. Good yeah. call, Rick. <laughs> uh, I think the quick access and availability of movies now is a good thing. I used to have to take a train to Manchester 
to pick up the latest Psychotronic Video Shock Express and the like from a comic shop called, called Odyssey 7. I take them home and marvel at the reviews of these crazy films like Blood, Blood Freak and Darktown Strutters. I had little or no chance of seeing. Thanks to the internet, I've now been able to see these and a lot more, which can't be a bad thing. Or can it? Kudos to you fellas for dropping some crazy movie science on us listeners on a weekly basis. It must be hard hard work getting up early and finding the time to record and edit and still have time to feed and look after babies and toddlers. I have trouble finding time to actually watch a movie or send an email these days, so my hat goes off to the both of you. Your show continues to get better and better, and your movie choices are fantastic. Adios, Quint. And then he also says, P.S., having you two geek out while checking out someone's filmography on IMDb puts a big grin on my face. (laughs) Which is fine at home, but makes me look stupid if I'm at work or driving. Yes, yes. indeed, indeed, yes, uh, yeah. Uh, Rupert was talking about that. We were talking about that. Uh, that's why I was talking about that film, that Brooke Shields Lorenzo Lamas film, was you know the wormhole we always say on the show. You know, once we started looking into filmographies, and then it kind of branches into somebody else and somebody else, and next thing you know, you know, we're way down that wormhole. We're going, oh man, he did a movie with so and so. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a lot of fun. So, all right. Uh, thanks for that, Quint. Hadn't heard from Quint for a while. It's good to know he's still out there. I know he's very busy nowadays with two children. So, Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> he's welcome to the Thunderdome, brother. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's in it, too. So, yeah, I know it's great to hear from him, man. Very long-time yes. dear friend of the show. In it to win it. All right. Here we go. Uh, some voicemail. Let's get one going here. Oh. All right. Well, hang on. Hey. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Scott, I don't think this was for on the air, but uh, just to acknowledge we got his email and uh, certainly on behalf of both of us, so you're very welcome and you're, you know, we'll support you any way we can. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, I don't think it was for the air either because it seemed kind of kind of personal. Personnel. Yeah, personnel. So uh, hang on a second here. I'm just kind of queuing up voicemails. Might as well just kind of take this moment to queue up a few. We'll try to tear through all these, get caught up. Some of them are pretty short, so... See what happens. Uh, okay, that's too much dead air. <laughs> hang, on, hang on a second. This, I'm, I'm almost done, I swear. I'm almost done. All right. My hair. My hair. My wife totally wanted me to make a ringtone out of that. He hits it. That's he hits awesome. my hair. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hey, gentlemen, it's Christine. Um, I was just calling to tell you thanks. Um, if you had told me that there was a film that featured Michael Ironside, Clancy Brown, and William Forsythe, I would have said, wow, you're lying, but you guys never lie to me. That seems like casting I would make up in my dreams. I love them all so much, and that's going on my cue. The only thing that would have made it better is if James Remar was in there somewhere. But a girl can only ask for so much. Um, I love you guys. And keep up the good work. Bye. It's actually kind of surprising Remar wasn't in that because Walter Hill likes Remar a lot. So yeah, that's Ajax, man. Yeah, yeah. And also Forty Eight Hours. Yeah. What was his character's name in that? I loved it. I loved his character in that film. What was it? Uh, fuck, I can't remember. They can't say remember. it. They say it about a thousand times. I can't remember the character name though. And me and uh, James McCormick from Criterion Cast, we got into a fun thing of talking about. He said to me. Uh, we got into a fun thing on Twitter about Robert Davi and Michael Ironside doing a movie together, and I'm like, surely, you know. And then we started looking around, and surely there is a, a Michael. Pack? There is there is a movie out with them two in it. It's called uh, Fuck. I can't remember what it's called. It's on my Netflix. It's not the queue. Bad Pack, is it? I don't know. It's on my Netflix queue now. I'll have to I'll have to look it up. 
It, he, of course, James immediately says, I just bought it. He just bought it because, you know, we started talking about it and he was so excited. He just immediately bought it. So That's awesome. I'm looking now at I got to know what that movie is. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking. Davi and the Ironside. Wow. Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a horror film. So hang on a second. I'm trying to pull it up and I'll let you guys know here in just a second. Throw a little Carter Wong in the mix and you got... Yeah, let's see where the hell where the hell it go. Uh, I could have swore I put it on my Netflix queue. Either way, it's out there. I'll, I'll figure it out during this next voicemail. Here we go. Let's go to the next one. Thanks, Christine. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, GGDMC is proud to present one of its regular callers in the world, Metal Mikey. And if you don't like that, well, you don't have to suck it. You really don't. And I have to pause, Metal Mikey. <laughs> that film's called Night Trap, by the way. Uh, Night Trap. Wow. Anyways, I'll listen to Extreme Adventures today. Yeah, that's the name of the episode. And uh, I just thought I'd share some thoughts. First off, uh, Rick, you know, good to have you back in that episode. And as like I said on Twitter, when you were kind of talking about not being regular on Twitter, it's really not that big of a deal. You're being a big daddy. That's what counts. And... Also, for your recent viewings, now, Will, you were the one that mentioned the German film Macho Man. Uh, if only Randy Savage were somehow involved with it, then it would just be solid cinematic gold. And I believe it was Rick that mentioned a viewing of The Decline of Western Civilization, Volume 1. Now, don't get me wrong, I do really enjoy that one, but at the same time, I kind of favor Part 2 a bit more because, you know, I'm all about just the ridiculousness and excess of hair metal in the 80s. I mean, hell, who wouldn't want to be Paul Stanley lying on his bed made entirely of nubile co-eds and college girls and him talking about all artistry and such? Yeah, we we really believe you, Paul. No, we really do. As for your episode coverage, I did want to mention, you know, I don't think I've ever really seen Crippled Avengers, although I have read about it a lot in various martial arts-based books. And I should check it out. It does sound like a pretty interesting mix of martial arts and almost kind of like grindhouse sleaziness, but done in a respectful way. Although I do kind of sympathize with the sort of mentally handicapped character, because right now the new pair of glasses I got are pretty much squeezing the sides of my head like a vise, which is why I'm getting readjusted. So I'm thinking, if I don't do that today, probably tomorrow I'll wake up, and according to that movie, Science, I will become mentally challenged because of this. And... Extreme Prejudice. I remember it finally from my VHS days. I have not seen it since, but you know, the ooze of machismo that I picked up from it is still clinging to my body. And you know what? Hey, you talked about Michael Ironside. I talked about him for my review of Space Hunter, and he is obviously, to all the ladies, the bee's knees of all his cybernetic attachments as Overdog. And... I couldn't help but detect a bit of eerie prophecy in that episode of GGTMC. You keep mentioning Total Recall, and it was like, wow, this was done about three weeks in advance for my announcing I was going to cover Total Recall for the show. Crazy. But anyways, another excellent episode. Great to hear you back again, Rick. And I will talk to you both later, because I'm running pretty close. Bye. All right, uh... You could hear me digging around for sound effects in there. I found the super, super sound effect. Uh, interesting that he calls it total recall. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> that was interesting. I don't know if he's doing that as a joke or if that's the way he actually says it. I have to clear that up. Sounds like a Miles Lemaire kind of thing. Yes, it does. Total recall. <laughs> yeah. But uh, awesome. Uh, yeah, there was something else he said in there that I wanted to talk about, but damn it, if I didn't forget. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> My apologies. Anything, guys, you want to tackle in that uh, thing? <laughs> in that voicemail? <laughs> um. Just trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, not really. I mean, as always, thank you, Mikey. And yes, uh, we're glad that indeed. you were testosterone-soaked still in this, that the testosterone is still clinging to your body uh, in the wild <laughs> woods of Michigan. <laughs> yes. Oh, nice. He oozes it like glaze. Yeah. All right. Next voicemail. Hey, Big Will and Samurai. It's Tom calling you from Better Than Dark Laboratory straight out of Brooklyn. I'm feeling kind of unwell today but I wanted to I just finished listening to the uh, most recent episode Cabo Monero which actually sounds like a Italian restaurant here in Brooklyn <laughs> but um, nice I just wanted to add a little addendum to our first of thanks for discussing like I said Cabo Blanco I really do appreciate the discussion but um, just so you know, and this is nothing personal, Sam, I'm really kind of pushing. I mean, here it is Tuesday. We're still not yet at the, uh, the Holocaust at Heinz. And, uh, <laughs> Ooh, those words sound silly now, don't they? Kind of secretly pushing for a Jets pack, super Packers Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. If only because then I can imagine the penis mailer sitting on his fucking little stupid goddamn motherfucking tractor and kiln the everybody worships me Mississippi and looking at it and screaming realizing that if he had just shut up and stayed with the Packers as a second stringer for three years or shut up and didn't fake a freaking injury and stayed with the Jets for two years maybe as a second stringer there he would have had a Super Bowl ring. That second Super Bowl ring he was so freaking creaming over to get. So that's why I'm hoping for uh, a Jets-Packers Super Bowl, because then it'd be a giant fuck y'all to that fucking piece of shit. All right? I will talk to you later. Bye. It's good to know something energized him halfway through the call, though. You know. Yeah, man. It's like someone's hooked a fucking set of um, like uh, booster cables to his fucking earlobes, man. <laughs> he always gets worked up when he mentions fire, man. Yeah, he really is not a fan, you know. So, hey, T-Stone. Unfortunately, Tom, I guess you know this by now, obviously. Uh, the, Jets, <laughs> the Jets did not uh, win, so uh, I'm not going to rub it in. I'm not that kind of sports fan, but uh, no. it is what it is, and uh, it happens to be. We didn't even mention this, but it's an, it's an all GGTMC Super Bowl this year. It is, and that is something that may never happen again uh, yeah. in our whole lives. Never mind. We're probably gonna, yeah, we're probably gonna do. We we talked about it off the air, maybe doing like a bet type thing, like maybe where you pick both films and uh, or I pick both films, depending on who wins. Yeah. and it'll just it'll be obviously films we enjoy. We're gentlemen. We're we're very good friends, so it's not gonna. Into the one suffer just well, for the fun of it. I, I really, mean, our two I, teams are in it. I really don't know what I can pick, Will, that would make you suffer at this point. I mean, I've picked Body Rock and fucking uh, <laughs> some other fucking travesties <laughs> of cinema. I don't even know what I could pick to make you suffer. <laughs> well, you could make me, make, you could make us cover Yentl, but if I cover, that means you got to cover it. So. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it, there's, it's a, it's a, it's a win-win either way because there's really, I can't really pick anything like garbage, you know. 
No. Well, it's one of those things you bite after your nose to spite your face. It doesn't work very well. Yeah. So we'll, we'll probably we'll probably do a little something. We'll see. Uh, but that's way that's 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 well that's that. So I'm sure Tom will call us back at some point. I'm sure he's probably just kind of cooling down still. Uh, from yeah, that. that's uh, that's the way it goes, man. He's got a good young team though. A lot of time still, man. A lot of time. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Next voicemail. Hi guys, it's Christine again. Um, in case that voicemail didn't make sense, I was talking about Extreme Prejudice. I don't know why I didn't say that. <laughs> Unless there's another movie with those three in it, let me know. Thanks, guys. There might be actually. I don't know. I, I'm not positive. It seems like, you know, I didn't think Robert Davi and Michael Irons has made a movie together. And, and not only that, if you guys look at the IMDb, that's actually directed by David Pryor of all fucking people. I was just going to point that out, man. <laughs> nice. That's that's amazing, Mister David Pryor. And he wrote it too. The auteur that is David Pryor. So very nice. Well, you know, and when I was hey, hang on one second, yeah. Sorry, when I was poking around uh, in his filmography on Netflix. There's a movie called Future Force. Did you see this one, Rick? Yeah. Yes, I'm aware of Future Force, yes. Have you seen the movie? Because I've never seen it. But. No, I've never seen it. There's a lot of David Pryor. I haven't seen his stuff. Like, like uh, was it Zach Carlson or was it Niles, Niles who yeah. talked about it, how a lot of his stuff was really available during the video days. And unfortunately, yeah. a lot of it hasn't kind of made the transition to the DVD uh, phase. So Yeah, it's too bad Sledgehammer's not on DVD, but... I mean, this isn't a GDTMC movie. I, I don't know. It's Bob Tessier, isn't it, again, yeah, too? Yeah. Uh, but John David Tucker, Carradine. David Carradine is the most feared of the cops, and that's an acronym, civilian-operated police state. As the leader of the city's future force, crime is rampant and real cops are useless. He's an unstoppable uh, bounty hunter. Yeah. And he wears who's, the, an unstoppable, who's an unstoppable bounty hunter? David Carradine. And he, wear, yeah, and he wears a cybernetic glove in the movie, too. So. Oh, yes. Yeah. yes, yes. Dude, this is so GTTMC, man. <laughs> yeah. Future yeah. Force. Well, David Pryor is definitely probably the most, one of the most GGTMCS directors ever. <laughs> I mean, just look at his filmography. Yeah. I mean, there's so much stuff there. And I've actually, recently, not too long ago, I watched Hell on the Battleground, which is a William Smith, uh, Ted Pryor, Fritz Matthews film, which is really, really weird movie. It's almost like a, like a Contra come to life movie. It's really strange. Oh, nice. Uh, but he's got a lot of, you know, of course, killer workouts in there. And, you know, yeah. I, don't need to, I don't really need to talk about Deadly Prey anymore because that oh. movie's just, you know, amazing. But there's a lot of good stuff in there. A lot of good stuff. I'd like to talk to David yeah. Pryor. I wonder if he'd be interested in doing an interview or anything. I'd find I out. You, if he's around, I, I would think... You know, he'd be up for he, it. He's around. He just made a movie in 2007, so he's around. Nice. So we'll see. All right. Uh, next voicemail. Here we go. Gentlemen, <laughs> this is Dr. Zom. I'm calling from the local car wash as I'm getting waxed, rinsed, <laughs> and cleaned in every crevice and every orifice. Ooh. Of the Zomobio. Okay. That's full service, right? Smells like bubble gum. <laughs> uh, also enjoying some uh, McDonald's breakfast burritos <laughs> as oh, I wow. sit on my arse and watch as this mechanism goes round and round. <laughs> I watched a movie last night that I must uh, tell you about. And the movie was called Gun. The movie starred fat Val Kilmer, who was oh so fat and oh so very, very bloated. He may have surpassed his own fatness in this movie because he looked like shit. 
The movie also starred Curtis, Fifty Cent, Jackson, or whatever his last name is, but it was Fifty Cent. <laughs> and somebody gave Fifty Cent some money, or he put up his own because not only did he star in this movie, but he also wrote. And I believe he directed it, too. Oh, So wow. if that tells you anything, oh, the horror. It sounds to me like the somebody horror. gave Val Kilmer some money. <laughs> um, it, uh, it had a pretty decent cast. It uh, had John Larroquette. Uh, I haven't seen him in anything in a long time, probably since uh, Baba Black Sheep and Night Court. Um, he's a little bit older now. Uh, and he used the N-word in a derogatory way. Whoa. Uh, had some hot chick that my friends knew who she was. I didn't know who she was because I'm old. But she was hot, and her and Fiddy get down. Let me pause it here because James Remar, of all fucking people, is in this movie, too. <laughs> and it's not directed by 150 Cent. It's directed by someone named Jesse Terro. Terrero. And uh, get down, balls deep, baby. And let me tell you something. Uh, I saw a little vajayjay, and I hate to say this because I really didn't want to see this, but I saw a lot of 50 cents butt, (laughs) and, uh, you know, that is what it is, but I commented to my buddies that uh, I would have much rather seen Fat Val or John LaRoquette banging this chick. Um, So anyway, you know, it was... uh, it was straight to DVD. Uh, I, I don't know. I think if it catches on, it may get a theatrical release, uh, no, and no, uh, you know <laughs> maybe have some Oscar nominations coming up. But uh, that's about it. I'm just sitting in the car wash. I'm getting the air drying right now. I've already had the uh, cleaning, washing, polishing, surface protectant, spot-free rinse, and air drying. And uh, now I'm pretty sure that I just paid ten dollars uh, to have my car completely frozen when I try and get it in tonight to go to the Vatican to work. This is Doctor Zom, and I believe my car wash is finished. It says forward, and I am moving forward, <laughs> over, and out. Eisenstein, Liebenstein. All right, I gotta get the fuck out. Bye. <laughs> Every time he tells me that he's getting ready to let us go, I'll look at the timer and it'll say thirty-five seconds or something. I'm like, well, he's got a lot more to say, and he just told us goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> There's like sixteen producers on this movie. Gun. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not joking around about that. There's like uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, there's at least like twelve or fifteen producers on this thing, including you know, 50, including Fifty Cent. Fucking Zom gives me shit for the stuff I got to watch with my wife, but he watches some terrible shit, man, yeah. on his own. <laughs> yeah. I love that one of the characters in the film, uh, one of the actors in the film, is known. His name is Rocky Rector. That's just kind of an unfortunate name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, man. It was like, what's that guy that was in the Saw movies? He goes by one name, Rock. Oh, never mind. Oh, that one, the uh, the black guy that was a uh, uh, Polly G. You know what? What something like that? 
Yeah, yeah, Frankie D or something stupid. Frank, Frank, like, Frankie G, I think, actually. Frankie G, that fucking meathead Cuban guy or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very strange. But he said that somebody <laughs> gave 50 cents a movie of money, but that somebody's always giving Val Kilmer money because he just pops up in these movies all the time nowadays. 50 Cent doesn't need any money. He's worth hundreds of millions now. That's the sad part of this all. <laughs> yeah, the vitamin water money yeah. alone. Fuck. And then here Val Kilmer is. He's struggling. He's he's he's, he's doing like six directed DVD yeah. movies a year. Oh yeah, he really is. I mean, if you guys look at his filmography, it's amazing how many films he's done. <laughs> Poor fat Val. Yeah, his IMDb photo is so sad. I feel so bad for him. All right, uh, next voicemail. It's a gentleman's evening, baby. That's why we're sticking around. All around the hills, mixing the drinks. I'm on the south, bringing God in town. Well, we've got the best here. Gentlemen, it's Eric from the forums just wanted to uh leave you some feedback letting you know that i'm digging the show and i've uh, actually learned a lot discovered some films that i didn't know about and rediscovered films that i had seen when i was much younger and really didn't get and uh, i was gonna leave you a long-winded winding voicemail thingy but instead i'm just gonna ask have you seen the film z channel and magnificent obsession about Z Channel, which was a pay film cable station in LA in the 70s and into the early 80s. It's a great documentary that not only tells the story of the eccentric programmer, who uh, you might know from having written the Spaghetti Western China 9 Liberty 37, but also goes into a lot of the things that uh, were shown on the channel and that people discovered because of the channel. It is definitely one of those documentaries that you'll come away with a list of other films you need to check out. Anyway, I want to thank Will for pointing me towards the Criterion cast, which I've really, really been enjoying. And in return, I want to point you guys towards just a couple of films I think don't get enough love. One is Crime and Punishment in Suburbia, which has a great Michael Ironside performance in it. Another is Roman Coppola's CQ, which is a love letter to uh, late 60s European cinema. And uh, Thieves Highway, which is my favorite Criterion disc at this point. So uh, keep up the good work. I'm enjoying the show. Can't wait to hear what you guys have next. And take care. Later. A little MIDI uh, Good, the Bad, the Ugly going on there. Yeah. I got to let it play out a little bit there. There we go. <laughs> Okay, uh, yeah, we've both seen, uh, and I, we're, you might have seen it too, the uh, Z Channel documentary. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's, yeah. a, it's a good, it's yeah, a good we, doc. We've all seen that. Uh, yeah, you will come away with a list of films if you haven't oh, seen yeah. them already. <laughs> uh, the other one he made, I have seen the Roman Coppola one. I haven't seen the other one he's talking about. And he actually said in his email that that one actually has a Michael Ironside commentary track on it. Oh, wow, tasty. Yeah, I got to look that one up then. Oh, CQ is one I've always meant to see because I think he also riffs on a lot of the early Bava stuff like Planet of the Vampires and stuff. So Yeah, I mean, it's you would like that one, I think. Well, it's equal parts um, Danger Diabolique and uh, uh, David Holzman's Diary, the uh, yeah. uh, McBride movie. Wow, yeah, I got to check it out, man. I've been meaning to for years. It's just one of the ones that's never been quite high enough up on the radar for me to... And I was See, I just curious because I knew Val Kimmer was working a lot. Nine movies scheduled for this year. And that is an unfortunate IMDb photo he has. It looks like he's pushing out a fart, man. <laughs> yeah. A bad one. Um, he also, I got I listen, I got to give credit where it's due. 
Sammy was the one that originally pushed the Criterion cast onto me and I think onto our listeners. And consequently, I do that at the end of our show now as a result of that. And I'm yeah. happy to do that. I've actually gone back and I'm listening to their back episodes pre-James, it should be said. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know when he came on the scene with them, but... Uh, but yeah, uh, I of course you know gravitated towards the Chunking Express first episode. Um, they got a great website too, man. I, I was over there um, on the weekend looking at some stuff, and they had uh, some interesting reviews uh, or not, re- articles and so forth. Uh, but that ultraviolet thing that's coming out, I think that's what it's called, ultraviolet. And uh, yeah, just a nice looking site. So yeah, well, I'll mention them at the end of the show. Yeah, and Rip's pretty tight with uh, James as well. We've all kind of gotten pretty tight. Yeah, James. Yeah, Watch a lot of C D B. Sorry, I cut you off totally there, Rupert. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I just James James is great. Uh, you know, I love I talk to him a lot on Twitter. He's he's a guy who is definitely in our wheelhouse, has a lot of nostalgic memories of, you know, um action movies, cheesy movies that yeah. we, you know, saw on video as kids and and so we connect on that stuff. And he also loves, you know, legitimately good films too. So yeah. he's he's a. Uh, He's quite a cool guy. Yeah, got to right. get him on the show, man. We got to get him on the show. Yeah, he For definitely, sure. he definitely would fit in on the show. No doubt about that. Like in the trash and the class, you know. Yeah. So, all right, uh, next voicemail. Here we go. Rick and Will, Metal Mikey calling in once more, and this is probably going to be one of my shorter calls because I really don't have a lot to say about either Giallo and Venice or Trapped, and I was going to have a lot of side notes, but. The only side note I do have, and I don't think he's going to mind a bit of cross-promotion, I'm just saying, if you want a take on Burial Ground, Knights of Terror, the Andrea Bianchi classic, be sure to check out Zombie Mob, a monthly rotating podcast run by Mick Pierce of A Little Dead Podcast, and said the episode of Zombie Mob is guest-starring yours truly, along with Gray of the Dark Hours and the oh, Fear Inside Podcast Collective. I'm just saying, it's there. You want to take on the Sleaze classic? <laughs> and speaking of Sleaze, uh, I don't know what this is about me as a human being, but your description of the Giallo and Venice yeah, it sounds really garbagey, but at the same time, I'm just like, ugh, I can stand for a good quality hunk of sleaze. <laughs> Although it does sound like it's a shame that George Eastman is not involved with it, but yes. you know what, hey, we can't have a perfect world. <laughs> However, I think I wrote this once on Facebook, you know how I'm going to celebrate Valentine's Day, you know, if you know miracles don't show up and I actually have someone to do that day. You know what my date's going to be? Someone to oh, it's going to be with myself and a copy of Erotic Nights of the Living Dead. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know where that's going. Or Pornal Holocaust. Or Pornal Holocaust. As for Trapped, you know, I think you both sold me on yet another film. God, it's like an increasing list. Because I want to see Henry Silva just act as a sheer force of nature and deliver a Hadouken. No, wait. Yeah, I think it is a Hadouken, essentially the uppercut. No, that's the fireball. Oh, I'm terrible. I need to have my Street Fighter II card revoked for that. <laughs> and you were mentioning him, or no, in the movie itself, about women applying makeup in the nude and about how that seems to be somewhat of a cinematic convention. Hey, you know what? That happens in real life. I'm telling you both, what? I apply makeup 
to myself in the nude. And you know what? <laughs> my face. I'm not ashamed to say that, yes, even my Pope's nose gets a bit of powder. It sort of doesn't shine as much as, you know, blind people by the way. My Pope's nose. <laughs> Anyways, Rick and Will, another excellent show. And I know you just released one this week. Let him mercy. And you know I'm going to be listening to it soon. So you both take it easy, and I will talk to you again later. Uh, bye. I almost pissed my pants, man. My, my Pope's <laughs> nose? Is that what he called it? My Pope's nose? <laughs> I guess so. Well, I don't know, man. I'm not, the cat- correlation I'm, not, I'm not Catholic. Pope's I have no idea. <laughs> wow, jinkies, as, as uh, someone uh, would say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, Lock of- it off. Show over, man. The Pope's nose closed the doors. <laughs> the, the, the interesting thing about that is, you know, I, I, at first he starts off telling me he's going to watch Erotic Nights of the Living Dead by himself. <laughs> Valentine's Day. <laughs> and now he's putting makeup on his Pope's nose or whatever it's called. <laughs> it's like, that is, that's quite an exciting holiday, I yeah, think. obviously. Woo, man, I got tears coming out of my eyes over here. Oh, Mikey, you got us on that one, buddy. Whoa. <laughs> Jesus. Never heard it called that before. So no, no, that's must be a little <laughs> upper Midwestern uh, slang, man. It's a Michigan thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. oh man! <laughs> All right, next, uh, ne- next voicemail. <laughs> hey guys, it's Miles. Um, just calling because you guys were talking about wrestlers in the last episode, and um, I actually I was part of a backyard wrestling uh, league. For a little while there, and um, I, my my name was Ooh La La, and um, basically my my costume was pretty much all sashes, and, uh, scarves, which was kind of embarrassing. Uh, because one time I got uh, disrobed, I guess I should say, in the ring, and my uh, my naked penis was showing for everybody to see. Your pope's nose. Um, <laughs> But I, I I don't know I had a I had a cool gimmick I thought and I came out to uh, Hakuna Matata from the Lion King. Um, eventually I was kicked out of the league. They said I didn't, I didn't have enough edge and uh, lost 47 fights in a row, tied once. Um, that was because the other guy and I just ended up hugging. Just um, called it a, a draw, I guess. So, but anyway, uh, yeah, it was good to talk to you guys again. Um, all right. Later. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> the backyard say, wrestling, uh, ooh la la. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen, I've seen that outfit. Miles has been to my house, and uh, he's worn the all sash outfit. Oh, nice, uh, nice, so, nice. So, uh, classy <laughs> stuff. I may, I may ask him. <laughs> I may ask him to borrow the outfit. It's good stuff. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if I do that. Probably got some Pope's nose stains in it. <laughs> can, you know, the Pope's nose it. got blown on those sashes. <laughs> oh dear. Oh man. Oh dear. I, well, I can mix and match it with the white leather. So, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Yes, you could do that. Yes. Very well. <laughs> Didn't know Miles was part of the backyard wrestling. I didn't know that. That's interesting. You always find out something new about Miles every now and then. You know, he, every now and then he just calls in, chimes, and drops a little knowledge on us. So it's true. It's got an interesting, Very. interesting uh, biography. That guy. He called back. Sweet. Hello, gentlemen. This is Vincent Price. Oh, maybe that's not him. I don't know who called and said that it would be off type for me to play a big macho strong man, but I think that that person is a dirty bird. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> so, oh, man. 
Celebrity callers from the grave. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I gave away. I think I gave away Miles' ploy there, but uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> Ooh la la! What the fuck? <laughs> Pope's nose. I still can't stop laughing. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous, man. I'm still my eyes are still watering over here. I know it's you know what it is. It's three in the morning our time, so we're a little punchy right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need my eyes to be watering a lot because like they're going to be very tired today because I got to stay up and go to work after we get done oh. here, and uh, it's just going to be crazy. Uh, I'll be laughing at Pope's and those. I'm going to drop that on some people at work today. See if anybody's ever heard that. <laughs> yeah, my Pope's nose is killing well, me, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm not actually going to drop my Pope's nose on anybody. <laughs> I know. Unless they're sitting at their desk, you come up behind them, put it on their shoulder, maybe. But, <laughs> oh, jeez. You know, I just I just hope we got it right with pope snows i'm gonna feel like an ass if it's like something like poke snow or whatever what the fuck it's called you know i don't care man we're taking pope snows that's what it is from now on man oh shit anyway uh we only got a couple more voicemails might as well go ahead and knock them out so let's go ahead and knock them out here we go hey guys this is jake just got done watching the steelers win again and go to the super bowl Again. <sighs> okay, I'm getting away from that. Um, wow, I lost my whole train of thought. I need to get away from that, man. The Steelers, uh, there's something about being a Cincinnati sports fan and having to deal with all that anguish and angst and pain. Then you got to watch a Pittsburgh team do so well year after year after year. They get to get the Super Bowl again. Uh, I shouldn't have started out the phone call that way because now I just I don't know if I can get out of this depression. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, okay. <clears throat> All right. Uh, I noticed uh, Carl, uh, president from the voicemail last week, suggested uh, gallons to you guys. Um, I'm going to go ahead and second that. Uh, I just watched it this weekend, and damn, it's phenomenal. It's a really, really, really good uh, comedy sort of kung fu movie. It's got, you know, Toad from uh, Five Deadly Venoms and uh, a couple other old school Shaw luminaries. And you know, if you like, um, if you like Kung Fu Hustle, definitely check it out. It's in a similar vein. If you don't like Kung Fu Hustle, check it out anyways because I think it's better, uh, at least for my taste. Anyways, uh, it's shorter. A little punchier. I like the humor a lot more. Uh, it's just a fantastic bit of cinema. Oh, um, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out, even though I'm sure you guys are backlogged as hell when it comes to movies. Um, I really urge you guys to check out Dream Home, which is a relatively recent Category 3 Hong Kong slasher. It's just Dream it's Home. pretty damn phenomenal, at least in my opinion. It's, it's something very ripe for conversation. Uh, so I'd be very interested if at any point any of you guys check that out because it's, it's a mighty fine good movie. Um, in reference to the Pat Oswald article that uh, Rupert brought up a couple episodes back, yeah, I mean, I, I think I had a side with Will and uh, Scott from Toronto. I mean, it's... Eh, I At least where I'm coming from, you know, it's so hard for me to imagine you know, enjoying cinema as much as I have without the supplement of the internet and the community that it brings and everything. It's just so essential to really gaining the sort of breadth of knowledge that we've all gotten. You know, I, I couldn't imagine going back to it. And the article, 
you know, it, it's kind of hard for me to really hate on it because it really felt, you know, like we'll set a conversation piece, you know. It seemed like Patton was more interested in finding snappy ways to talk about the pop culture Ragnarok than actually making a cohesive point, you know, which I can't hate on. You know, that's just trying to get some views. He's just trying to get his word out there. So, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, fortunately, I didn't have much else to say. Just, just that. Um, yeah. Go Packers. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> uh, watching the Super Bowl now is just going to be such a stressful endeavor because I don't know if my poor little heart can take another Steelers win. <laughs> Sorry, Sammy. All right, guys. I'll, uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you guys next week. You know, it's funny uh, that he brings up and all the points he brought up about movies and stuff, but he brings up something that's interesting to me. My mother-in-law the other day asked me why I like teams that always win. And I told her when I was young, uh, when I was younger, those teams won. But in the 80s, in case anybody forgot, <laughs> they didn't win fucking shit. No, and the most, Yankees and Steelers were fucking awful. And then most of the 90s as well. So, well, some of the 90s, the Yankees were good. But uh, at the beginning. Steelers got there versus the Cowboys, Neil yeah. O'Donnell. Yeah, that's true. But that wasn't a good Steelers team. Either way, you, people forget that there's lulls in all sports teams. So you know, right now I'm yeah. just I'm going through a good time. So I, re- I was gonna say I remember these Steelers as personified by Super Tecmo Bowl, <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. which quarterback Bubby Brister, if I remember, <laughs> yeah. a lot of it's a nice. good team and that, running that back team. running back Merrill Hodge. Yes, I remember Merrill that. Hodge, yes. <laughs> it was all about number thirty four for the Raiders uh, in that game, my friend. Oh yes, yes, yeah. yes. But. Uh, yeah, the uh, movies you brought up. I, I, I've heard of that Dreamhouse film. I need to check that out. I want to check that out. Yeah, man. That, that, that and Gallants, cool. I'm going to cram in both before the end of my year list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake, I can definitely promise you that. I'm, I'm going to go down to uh, the local Asian vendor, and they should have them um, there. Uh, Dream Home is one I've been meaning to check out for a long time, man, uh, since I heard about it, I don't know, about seven, eight months ago. But, yeah, thanks for bringing it up, man. Hopefully I'll go down and, and grab them both this week. Yes, indeed. All right. Uh all right, and yeah, you can root for whoever you want to root for. Either way, you're going to make one of us happy on the show. So, the way yes. I, the way I look at it, at least one of us is going to be happy come Super Bowl Sunday. Some one of us will be happy, one of us will be, yeah, well, you know, sad or happy. Either way, so we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next voicemail. Um, this is actually the last of three. We just got these this morning, so here we go. Gentlemen, it's low tap. Yes. Long time no call for <laughs> me to you, I guess. Excuse <laughs> yeah. the noise. If, yeah, if it's noisy, I'm out for all. a walk in the wilds of the suburbia of London, Ontario here. Get my exercise nice. in. You know, <laughs> Watch I out. finished listening to your review of Capo Blanco. Watch out for bears with pancakes. And uh, <laughs> so I'm not by any means Charlie Bronson expert. I do believe he was discovered... Now, I could be completely wrong, and I never bothered to check on my iPhone here, which I could have probably easily done before phoning you up, but looking for an excuse. I do believe he was discovered because he was a gym rat or a bodybuilder. He was known. I mean, he was probably cut naturally, but I do believe he worked on it, too. Uh, kind of like Sean Connery when he was cast as Bond. He was uh, known Body as a bodybuilder Bond. first before being an actor. Um, so, anyways... Uh, like I said, I was just looking for an excuse to phone, uh, talk to the gentleman. Um, haven't watched anything too great lately. Been going through a little '80s action movie kick, you know. Watched Bloodsport recently. Brought back a flood of memories. Been chasing the dragon ever since, you know. Uh, <laughs> nice. Watched uh, Mark for Death with a screw face. 
oh god it's the worst action ever uh, <laughs> and uh above law nice you know great Silva. stuff out for justice yeah. you know Silva you know and above law oh great stuff yeah anyways well that's about it uh Will I'm on vacation the last week of February and uh probably thinking of going up Toronto way and seeing some movies if there's anything good up there. Uh, so I might drop you a line to see if you're busy. Maybe we can get together and check something out. All right. Anyways, Lotep out. Bye. All right. Good old Lotep. Fellow Ontarian. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's a little ways away, but maybe three hours uh, to, you know, <laughs> London's a, it's a treacherous drive, actually, man. It's a pretty nondescript drive. He's right to, you know, get into Windsor and Detroit and stuff. But, um, yeah, man, I'm totally down. Uh, you know, let me know about probably two, three weeks ahead of time, and we'll we'll see what's on the light box or what's playing at the Bluer and, and all that good stuff. And uh, maybe we'll get uh, the other Torontonian, Scott, Vish, Chris, and we'll, you know, we'll roll into something uh, together. Nice, nice. Yes, the you go and don't forget uh, Chris's real name is it used to be on Cool Cat, but now it's Stargrove. Stargrove. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. All right, Lotep called back. Here we go. Hey guys, it's Lotep again. Uh, seems that whenever I do actually phone and leave a message, I have to leave at least two in a row. <laughs> um, Sam, uh, you um, recently someone asked you about the remix of Ecstasy. Of the gold that the show uses usually for their intro, uh, and you told it was available on uh, iTunes and the name of the song. I went looking for it. I forget what you said the name was. All I could get was a hip hop remix by someone, DJ Speed or something like that. And while it's okay, it's hard to fuck up Ecstasy of the Gold, uh, it does its best. I was wondering, uh, maybe uh, the one version you're saying is not on the Canadian iTunes board. If uh, you'd say the name of the remix again, maybe for us. And also, the outro song you guys play. I always find myself tapping my toes, and I recognize it, but I can't quite place it. If you can, on the show, say what that song is. And now if I find Leather Jacket Buddha's theme on uh, <laughs> outside the cinema, that would be great, too. But you guys... It's not up to you to find that out. I will <laughs> contact them myself. Thank you. Bye. All right. Uh, the intro music is on an album called Inyo Morricone Remixes Volume 2. And it's uh, it's definitely, it's just, uh, it's uh, the XC of Gold, but it's just a remix version of it. So uh, that's the name of the album, though. So look for the album on iTunes. I don't know if it's on Canadian iTunes or not, but it's uh, Inyo Morricone Remixes Volume 2 is the name of the the album and it's actually under the dance genre. So, oh wow! So I'll look into that. And the outro music is from a Million film, correct? Um, no, no. Uh, actually. It's actually it's an Umberto Lenzi with uh, Claudio Castanelli. <laughs> yeah, it's freehand for a tough cop. Oh yes, that's right. What, what oh wait, maybe he is in that. Man, no, I'm sorry. You're right, man. Yeah. You yeah, think he plays trash can uh, in that, <laughs> and he's got uh, yeah, uh, yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was right. I thought I didn't know for sure, but I thought it was right. Million. All right. Uh, one last voicemail. Ah, screw face, man. Ah, that still sucks. Damn it. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> that was our voicemail and all of our feedback. That was, that's the big show. Massive, gay, massive. Massive. Yes. So all caught up on feedback finally since uh, my absences. So. Yes. Nice. I, all I can say about that is a little. Uh, Super, super. 
<laughs> yeah. Super, super, super. Here we go. Nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so we go through our pleasantries and things? Let's do it. Okay, so, uh, as always, we got our sister shows, OTC. I was going to say OTC and CD, uh, which uh, would have been not up to date, and now my earphones are fucked. Say, someone say something. <laughs> Hello. Okay, there we go, there we go. I wanted to say also to thank you to Nikki. Uh, I don't want to say last name on the air, but uh, she, uh, is it a he or she? I, I don't know for sure. I hope I'm not getting that all screwed up. Uh, that is certainly a she. <laughs> okay, just make it sure. Don't worry. You know, uh, she sent us an uh, MP3 of Enzo Castellari talking about something, but I'll play that on the next show. Yes, certainly. And uh, as soon as those packages come in, Nikki, we'll be happy to let you guys know. It's just, you know, it takes a little while. From your neck of the woods to our neck of the woods. Um, so, yeah, Sister Show's OTC Show Show. Uh, all of, you know what? Before I forget, though, um, Aaron had was had asked, he posted this on our boards at Facebook, if everyone can head over to, to TotalFilm.com, there's the Blog Awards, and some of our great friends are nominated for Best Fan Blog. Now, ideally... <laughs> Uh, well, I don't want to say ideally. Chuck Norris State My Baby, which of course is Matt Suzaka's blog. Uh, the Italian Film Review, which features Mike Malloy, Aaron, uh, TL Bug, and Matt Suzaka all writing together. If, they, if you guys can vote for that. Um, and then also Lightning Bugs Layer is also nominated on its own. But I guess if you want to hit all of them in one shot, it is the Love Italian, excuse me, the Italian Film Review um, blog. So go over there and vote. Uh, but beyond that, yeah, like I said, it's our sister shows, and then all of our friends over at Palaver.com, Paleo Cinema, Action Attraction, Better in the Dark. Um, again, uh, Tom, I need to know about those uh, films if you need them. Hammockus, and of course, Married with Clickers. Uh, Paracinema.net, the ggtmc.blogspot.com. The rest are, of course, all blogspot.com, which is Rupert Pupkin Speaks, Deadly Doll's House, Chuck Norris Ate My Baby, Lightning Bugs Lair, Fist of B List. Stinking Paws, Scared Shiftless and Shasta, Moon in the Gutter, and Sergio Leone and the Infield Fly Rule. And of course, you can head over to CDB, which is cinema-de-bazaar, all your hard-to-find genre needs, 10% off your orders with promo code GENTLEMEN. Head over to omg-entertainment.com as well if uh, you're looking for something uh, that our dear friend Martin has at his store. There's a lot of great stuff over there. GDTMC10 is 10% off your orders there. Uh, uh, yeah, we're going to be reviewing some uh, Blu-ray stuff from there pretty soon. Yeah, very excited for that. Yep. Um, cameras. Yes. Yeah, yes, wow. indeed. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. So can't wait to get into that. Uh, camera Obscura, of course, uh, with the aforementioned Nikki and Pink Ega. We're going to be getting into them very soon, so support them. And then, of course, iTunes reviews. Friend us on Facebook. Join the Facebook group. Twitter.com backslash GGTMC. Uh, Bob Freelander, Pickleloaf10, Large William, Uncool Cat. And everyone else under the sun. Yes. And I forgot to mention in blogs the Criterion cast. So let me just add that it was my oh, Steve. I should say that uh, James is fistful of media on Twitter. If you want to follow him, James yes. from the Criterion cast. That we talked oh yes, about. there you go. Yeah, that guy. I guess it knows the stuff. Wonderful guy. Um, he you know, he, he uh, made sure to tell me this the other day. He owns three members only jackets. <laughs> I only own one, sadly. Yeah. Mine's yeah. maroon. I got yeah, a his Twitter, his Twitter picture features him in one of them. Oh, it does it? I didn't see that. I'm going to have to hit that him. That was how Rick pointed it out. 
Yeah, I told you, don't think I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, James comes correct, man. You can but, spot those uh, a mile away. So uh, nobody really comes correct until they can get a hold of the uh, the flesh colored or peach colored members only jacket from Paris, Texas, and Dean Stockwell. I'm still looking for one of those. Yeah, that was impressive, man. That's, yeah. that's probably a low that probably a low run on those, you know. Yeah, I can't see. That's like the flesh colored bikini, man. It just didn't. Uh, yeah. A little harder to track down. Uh, and those, that's everything on our end. Uh, okay. As I type in my Twitter login so I can see him in the members only. What are we covering on your end next yes. week? We are covering a uh, little movie called Pope's Nose from, uh, no. no. Oh, that reminds me. Not a little, it's a big film, my friend. I should, should be said, Sammy, the Pope's Nose, as defined in the food dictionary on epicurious.com. Pope's Nose, also known as a Parsons Nose. This is the stubby tail protuberance of a dressed fowl. It seems to have originated as a derogatory term meant to demean Catholics in England during the 17th century. Or, or Mikey's penis. And between, between Viennese sausage and stubby tail protuberance of a dressed fowl. And th- this dude doesn't love his Pope's nose enough. <laughs> oh, he shouldn't be watching George Eastman then. Anyway, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, my film is a film from uh, the fantastic director Jim Sotos. Who, uh, his name is spelled both the same forward and backwards, so he's one of those guys. Uh, written by Henry Scarpelli, starring Tanya Roberts, Nancy Allen, Ron Max couple other people but it's a it's a little bit of a roughie from uh, 1975 called uh, forced entry it's kind of a sleazy thing it's from cinema day bazaar uh kind of do some sleaze and stuff uh, and i'll get back on the uh i got some more uh patron saints of ggtmc stuff lined up for the following weeks after that so we should be good to go but uh yeah forced entry from 1975 uh, cinema day bazaar pick hey man i just heard something here because i logged in and saw the glorious pamela greer on my twitter wall uh big ups to fozzy man we i heard we just i just heard this this is yeah. live on the air this is real emotion you're hearing we won best bromance <laughs> yes we did through the uh the podcast the, podcast uh, awards podcast, podcast awards man. <laughs> yes. i know i we came storming down the gates because we were getting beat up by someone i'd never even heard of yeah yeah we came out of nowhere i mean uh I appreciate everybody that voted for us. That's very nice. Yeah, so thank you for that. It's uh, it's nice to be loved and best romance, uh, certainly. Uh, so thanks to Fozzie and thanks to everyone who voted. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. And did uh, did Bill end up winning um, a most annoying sound clip? Or <laughs> yeah. most, I don't know. I don't know. I'd be surprised if he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Bill, but I'd be surprised if he didn't. <laughs> that's fantastic. He takes it to so. a level uh, that's all his own. Let's put it that way. Yes, exactly. Um <laughs> All right, so my pick is from uh, not from Sotos, and you certainly can't see this name's this man's uh, last name backwards the same way you can forwards. Um, but it's in a punchy, and it's three in the morning. Let me try to say his name backwards. Uh, <laughs> oh Lord, this is going to be interesting. And the DVD has gone missing on my shelf. I had it in hand a moment ago. This filmmaker is one that we're all familiar with. He's been on our show once before, and his name would be. Nick, Nick de Dürf. <laughs> Certainly not a German man if I say it frontwards, and that's of course William Friedkin. We're going to be doing one of the most macho films of all time, one of the, one of the most underrated macho actors of all time, Roy Scheider. We're going to be doing Sorcerer. Nice. Nice. That'll be fun. I like how lately we've been picking like good movies with uh, questionable content uh, to follow. It's like we've been mixing and matching pretty well lately. Yes. So it'll be interesting. Uh, okay, so 
that'll be the big show next week. Rup, I want to thank you as always for being on the show. It's always great to have you on. Be thinking about your next pick the next time you come on. It's always my pleasure. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank you, man. Always, always a blast. I mean, we could we could probably do like a, a telethon with you on the show, man. We, you know, just we love talking film with you. You know, you're one of us. Uh, great as always, man. You came correct as you always do. And that reminds Very me. Kind. That reminds Very me. Kind. If if we ever do the roundtable with all four of us, man, it's going to have to be one film. It can't be two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's been made clear. I only have room for 500 hours of audio on my hard drive. I don't think we're going to be. You know, we'll go way too. We'll go way past that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And James, uh, very nice. The gray members only. Yes. Coming yep. correct, brother. That's Coming. nice, man. And I love, you can see right in the bottom right-hand corner, man, that, that baby says members only. Yes, it does. <laughs> it's legit. So, legit, man. Too legit to quit. I like it. All right. Uh, are you guys sticking around for after the outro music, or do you know? Uh, if, you, if you need me to, I can. Yeah, just stick around for a minute. We'll play the outro out, and uh, that'll be that. All right. So I will say adios. Anybody else going to say adios? adios? Sorry. <laughs> Pope Snows says adios. <laughs> Everybody's asleep saying adios. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. You can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. 